time to ham up. Oh my god, I really try hard. Shut it down! Somehow it's the best. After the credits. A Yum Chunks podcast. Yum Chunks! Welcome, one and all, to episode 43 of After the Credits, a Yum Chunks podcast. Welcome to an absolutely jam-packed end-of-summer episode, which we don't even know what we're calling yet, but here we are. I am Matt Chewy, one of your hosts for today. With me today, we have Vince Rizzo. How you doing, Vince? I am excellent. Thank you for asking. Great to hear. We have Sean Davis. Hey! That's good. That's good. And Ryan Davis, what's going that on? That wasn't with that you? good. I disagree. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're right. No, I'm just trying to be positive here. I'm sorry, Ryan's here too. We missed. We missed his. We missed his I enthusiastic. Am. I am. Uh, he's good. It's good, and we're glad. We're glad he's here. We're glad everybody's here. Uh, cool. So here we are. It's been as of today's recording. It's been exactly a month since our last episode came out. We all got kind of busy there. I think trying to enjoy what was left of the summer. Uh, we all had lots of stuff going on, um, so I think today we're just gonna, it's gonna be kind of a catch-all. We're gonna talk about some movies that we've seen, uh, we'll do some, some shorter in-depth conversations than we normally do, but we'll try to cover everything, uh, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a buffet of an episode today, I gotta say. So, um, before we get started on some of our bullet points, uh, we'll open it up like we normally do with uh, Tales from the Chunk Fire. Uh, somebody throw the nondescript powder on the fire. Someone do it. Who's going to do it? Oh my god, that was gunpowder. Oh no. no. Oh, better stop recording. Okay. All right. We're back. Uh, let's, okay, we're back. We're here. We've been reincarnated. Let's get this going. Uh, let's do, a, let's do a, a slightly quicker. What, what is this? This is like a speed dating Chunk Fire. It's a speed fire. Let's uh, <laughs> let's let's go around the circle a little bit quicker than last time. But let's share some things we've been up to. Who wants to start? I want to start. End, I'm ending this. So you, all right, Vince wants to start. What's going on with you, Vince? Hey, I was in the hospital for a month. Oh no! What happened? Well, that's pretty much what I've been up to. Uh, my son got really sick, and he got sick. And the doctor's like, "Oh, we know how to treat this. It'll be no problem." And then they were like, "What?" And they didn't quite understand how to treat him, so we were in there for like three more weeks, and it was a it was a nightmare. That's the last but time you'll trust out. me as your doctor. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when you don't have great health insurance, you gotta go to you gotta turn to who you can. When you're only paying no. for health insurance with pennies, you find at the beach with a metal detector. <laughs> oh man, let's do a quick update on that as well. Hey. Wait, that's saying, all you have to say about the hospital? That's it? We don't need to go into it. He's fine. He's walking somewhat. Let's just... <laughs> Look, he's living. He's breathing. He, it's okay. Polio? Look. Does your son have polio? <laughs> Metal just... detection is the... You, you're really Look. chopping at the bit to get to the subject. <laughs> that was all I want to say. Son in the hospital, when I had time, I was also metal detecting. But let's get into it. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, son. A... I'm going to leave you alone in the hospital just for a couple days. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> Hey, he was sedated. He didn't know what was going on. <laughs> yeah, having been, having had many hospital stays this year, I gotta say that that is the best part of it. The metal detecting. <laughs> no, being no, oh. no, the, the drugs they put you on. Especially if you have a nice TV in your room that's playing SpongeBob all day. That's a good, you know. There, there are worse things. But anyway, update us on your metal detection tales. I cannot wait. I know. So hold, hold on to your uh, britches, there, good old. Mr. Ch- Ch- Charles. Um, okay, I found two right. rings. 
two rings so far. What kind of powers <laughs> do let, let that sink in. I'm just, you just mean you hadn't it. found any rings up as of our last recording? Well, rings are hard to find. Shut okay, up. Vince, here's the thing. In the... <laughs> In the group chat, you've sent us pictures of the stuff that you found, which is actually quite a bit. But for the listeners, like, it just sounds like the only thing that you found since you bought this metal detector are two rings. No, okay, so I have like almost a thousand pennies. Let's, that's not a lot with the pennies. I get it. But I've found, I found about $50 in other quarters, dimes, nickels, stuff like that. And then I found a couple of objects that are silver, which is kind of cool. Um, I mean, so you found almost $10. No, I found more than ten dollars there, friend. But, but you found th- almost a thousand pennies. A thou- well, a thousand pennies is ten dollars, but I found a bunch of quarters and dimes and nickels. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, in just in quarters, I found like thirty bucks, and then everything else, dimes. You actually find a lot of dimes. You wouldn't think it, but I have. <laughs> and I found a really cool watch, a Disney watch with that's all that's stainless steel, and it's pretty cool. It's from Japan. Cool. Wait, what kind of Disney watch? What's on it? Uh, it's got Tinkerbell. <laughs> That's cool. Does but it it's work? Like, yes, it actually does. Awesome. Um, so that was pretty cool. Oh, also, and this is just something I'm going to pose to all of you guys because I just found out about it today. Did you hear that um, Ewan McGregor's coming back as Obi-Wan Kenobi? I've heard there's rumored. That I didn't hear it confirmed, but that he might come back as a, in Disney Plus TV show. No, Disney it is Plus. confirmed. He actually signed a hmm. thing. Yeah. I had heard it was confirmed that he was in talks. Yeah, that's what I heard. I, I, I had never true. heard a confirmation that he had signed on and it was for sure happening. So maybe it's somewhere in between. Yeah, that's things. what I heard. Is t- I heard talks as well. But Look, if somebody yeah. is saying there's talks, obviously it's gone past the talks. And also, what does talks yeah, but mean? I don't like Her- Her- Harry. Because... Harry Styles was in talks to play Prince Eric in the new Little Mermaid movie, and then he just announced today that he passed on it. So. Okay, you but know. like, but he's been Obi Wan already. If he's already talking about it, he's gonna do it again. Come on. I mean, you're probably right in all honesty, but I think talks means like contract negotiations. Like, how much are we paying this person, and how many movies are we locking him down for, etc. I think that's kind of where you're, you know. And things can still go wrong in that phase. So I don't like to get excited until someone officially announces this is a thing that's happening. So, Dude, would uh, would people kind of say that like he was the best thing about the prequels? I'd say his character was probably the best. He was. Uh, I don't know if there's a best thing about the prequels. <laughs> I mean, that's there has the thing, to be something. That, there are many worse things. <laughs> I don't think. I don't even know if his character is the best. I think his performance. Yeah, maybe that's. Been. Yeah, I guess maybe. His yeah, performance. I think he's written just as poorly as everyone yeah, else's. But he's <laughs> he himself. Ewan McGregor is enjoyable on screen. Not even Obi Wan. Just Ewan McGregor. He's yeah, even enjoyable think... in scenes that he had no right being enjoyable in. Like when he was watching a robot lizard burn to death, he was enjoyable. <laughs> so Another happy landing. Civilized. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, excited though. Obi-Wan. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> that was him using the force. Oh, that was good. Oh was man, good. the Jedi made that sound every time they used the force. <laughs> So I, know, just, I want to cut of the. Let's make Star that dumb. Yeah, exactly. Real quick. Oh, you know what? Uh, uh, <laughs> do that. Do that for the. Uh, what is it? The the battle at the end of episode two. <laughs> With oh Dooku no! And Yoda. Or no, Dooku and Yoda. That's the scene you got to dub. Especially because it starts with all the rock throwing. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, that's our I next like Chuck's some... original. We also need some farting preacher thrown in there. <laughs> 
Well, they did the farting uh, in episode one. That was pretty good. That was good. Yes. <laughs> it's not as good as the farting uh, dub for The Matrix. If you haven't seen that, go look that up. That's pretty excellent. I think my favorite yeah. thing that's come out of the prequels is they take Jake Lloyd's voice and put it in Darth Vader. That's the best thing. That's, oh, yeah, that's another that's good fan great. video. Yeah. But it's all it's all fan work on YouTube that's the best thing about the prequels. There's nothing that's actually in the prequels. It's, it's anyway, so why are we talking about the prequels? Wait. Plan. When he's looking at like all the dead rebels, he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, all my life. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if you think about it, is actually true. How He probably sees that all his life, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's exactly. like it really yeah. hits Business home. as usual. Another day at the office. But did Jake Lloyd know that that line was going to reminate through the Star Wars universe? Like, you Rem- know what I'm saying? Resonate. I don't think anybody anybody could have known who was involved in the prequels, the results, and the and the the all everything that was going to come of it. I don't think anybody could have known. Also, I don't know what reminate means, but I I like to imagine you meant to say. <laughs> Uh, marinate. Yes, that's what I said. That's what I meant. It's the concept of marinating and resonating. Yeah, I like it. It's a good word. I was going to just let it go because it it worked for me in a weird way I couldn't quantify, but you guys wanted to talk about it. I don't tell you guys how to make up your words. We're we're inventing words here. I have. You have showed us. Continue. I enjoy it. All right. Uh, What else you got? You got anything else for the chunk fire? Well, well, well. How the turntables... You didn't invent that. You're no, I didn't. Michael Scott did. Big old phony. That's it. You're phony. <laughs> That's all I got. Uh, metal okay. detecting. My son's still alive, and I th- heard some stuff about Star Wars. Okay, cool. Good, 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 good. Uh, who's next over here? <laughs> I think like I could... topic, the metal detecting chapters. I know. I mean, that was what I was looking forward to. Uh, so it's all downhill from, from here for me. Oh, man, I didn't tell you guys about the couple of needles i found well anyway we'll talk about that next week like sewing needles or hypodermic needles nope not the sewing kind <laughs> vince has but diseases but bunch of quarters in that area too so it was worth the hepatitis for that worth it. 25 <laughs> that's all i got for now hey okay. tune in next week okay that's it <laughs> All right, Ryan or Sean, who wants to jump in? Who wants to jump into the flames and dance in them? Dance in the flames uh, with us. We'll go. With I guess us. I'll go. Okay. Sure, I'll jump in the flames. Vince with is you. currently in the flames, marinating. Exactly, it's only me. You guys said us as rem- a plural, rem- but it's remanating. only me. Let me, let me remanate with you, Vince. <laughs> I'm remanating in a nice marble glaze. Ooh. Ooh. Not yeah, quite I'm... right on that either, but we'll... <laughs> Vince, will you base me if you if I base you? Oh, Ryan, I don't I'd know if I love you. or hate this. <laughs> I'm sitting right we on the exactly fine line. where this conversation was going as soon as we hit record. Yep. Into Wait, Ryan, are we back to where people are shipping us together? <laughs> oh boy Ooh, I can't wait back. for that again <laughs> oh boy okay well anyway <laughs> here's what I've been up to eh um, let's see well I went to the comic con and boy that was a fun time uh, maybe we'll talk about that more Sean with Sean because Sean went too oh my we gosh, will talk about that more <laughs> and at the comic con I picked up book 5 of Red Rising series I did that uh, as well called 
Yeah, and, and we it's called Dark Age, and we met Pierce Brown for the third or fourth time, and he signed it, and he told me how he, I inspired him to write the character of Darrow. Um, he didn't actually say that, but in my head he does. Um, and it's a fantastic book. I'm about halfway through, and it's just the best. Wait, what? Um, what is this book? It's uh, we've told you about this book before. It's uh, it's in the Raid Rising series. This is book five. Um, it's a story of. Well, I don't know. It's, uh... <laughs> you say you tell me about this, but you don't even know what the story is uh, about. Ryan, would you say the story reminates with you? <laughs> yes. It reminates with me. Like uh, I think that's what I'm getting blaze. at here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you should check it out. It's by Pierce Brown. Anyone listening should check it out. But especially yeah. people who are listening and talking to us at the same time. That's me. Uh, it's, it's on Audible, maybe. We'll see. It is on Audible, um, and it's really good, good on Audible. Right. It's really good on Audible. Does Morgan I'll Freeman do it? No, it's this Irish guy or Scottish guy. And he's yeah, good. Same person. <laughs> well, his name is Red in Shawshank Redemption. Oh, That's, ooh, wow. Ooh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Um. Okay. Well, there's that. Um. I actually played a video game. I haven't been playing video games recently, but this game was free on the Epic Game Store. <laughs> um. And I've gotten many free games off that, but played. Very few of them. Uh, but this one was called Moonlighter. Sean, we actually played oh, this right. game at, at E3 little yeah. two years ago, right? Yep, E3 two years ago. Um, and we were not inspired by it, as I recall. Um, <laughs> but it was free, and I played it, and now I like it. I don't know if that's because it was free, and it cost me only some hours of my life. But it was fun. It was basically just a dungeon crawler, right? You know. But when you get out of the dungeon, all that loot you gathered, you get to open a shop and sell it to customers. Uh oh. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That's fun. That's, I don't know. Yeah, that's yeah. It is kind of fun. I I don't know why it's fun, but it kind of is because you get like the customers come in and they go, "Oh, I want some rocks," and you're like, "Oh, well, I got some rocks for you." <laughs> you got to be a little entrepreneur, man. You got to put your tie on. You got to start yeah. a little business. You got to be a little businessman. You get to be a little businessman, Vince. You would like this game because it's like imagine if you went a bunch of metal detecting and you came back with all your trinkets and then you get to sell them to people. People can buy quarters and dimes from you. Huh? Wait, there do you, you actually go. have a metal detector in this game? You, no, you don't. <laughs> you have a sword. It's boring. It's, well, you, it's, yeah. you're fighting monsters with a sword. and um, Yeah. To so cut the monsters open and get the treasure that's inside them. Yep. Exactly. I, I mean, that, that's from. how my metal detector works. It has a, a sharp blade on it. You fight well, you so what you're saying is you just beat up people with your metal taker and, and take all their change. <laughs> exactly. That's so what far, you got a watch and two and rings. By a metal <laughs> detector, I just mean I have a knife. <laughs> Vince, I knew you were going to make this endeavor pay off all along. Yeah. I, I knew deep down yeah. in your side you were going to make it pay off. All right, Ryan, what else you got? I got. I saw Once Upon a Time in Mexico or in Mexico and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> all right. Eh, eh, Actually, it's kind of because that was uh, the Robert Rodriguez film, right? Yeah, yes. it was. and so, there's uh, the yeah. Mexican, which is Brad Pitt. Oh, it catches it all together. <laughs> well done. Uh, but that was freaking amazing. I actually want to see it again because I don't think I fully absorbed the whole of the film. Um, but it was it was really good. Um, I also watched the movie Crawl, which was also really fun. It was just a, a nice, good sort of horror suspense movie about a hurricane in florida and crocodiles or rather i guess alligators attacking people there you go but it was really good it was uh nothing that'll blow your mind but a good time at the movies um 
and also I finished the 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 show the boy Amazon show the boys. Um, really, 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 really good. Can't wait for the second season. Cool. And that are the things that I done seen. <laughs> that hard then. <laughs> Ryan, so thank you for coming down to my level with the way that you talk. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Well, I kind of end it on, like, a good note. (laughs) Well, we never do, so why start now? Yeah. We never start things on a good note either. Just none (laughs) of this is good. It's about a bad note I just like staying on bad notes. I don't know. There's somewhere in the middle there. (laughs) All right. Sean. All right, Sean. Bathe in the flames with us. All right. Let me marble something. Let me play marbles. Marble madness. (laughs) Before we start, Vince, what's the difference between an alligator and a crocodile? Well, alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. <laughs> I just watched The Water Boy a couple days ago. So, oh wait, do you really want me to answer? No, that question? I don't care okay. at all. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I did a lot of the same things Ryan did, so I'll just echo some of that. But uh, I also saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I also absolutely loved it. Um, might be it's not my favorite Tarantino film, but it's actually. High up there. I think I'll, it'll take some time to see where it kind of ranks, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, I saw The Boys as well. Also really, really like that. Did not meet my expectations in terms of my expectations being low, and it didn't meet them because it went above them. <laughs> um, <laughs> Got it. And I also have been reading Dark Age, um, but I also knew things, stuff that other people haven't done. I saw Midsommar. Anyone else see that? Nope. That, was, that was a movie. Mm-mm. It was a disturbing movie. As I <laughs> discussed earlier, is. before recording, I almost went to go see it, but then I decided to see Aladdin again. Because <laughs> I make poor life choices. Uh, yeah, we <laughs> Not all, that one. That wasn't that a poor wasn't life one. choice. You're just but... unrelated. You make poor life choices. Midsommar. Yes. It's a really great film. I do think it's a little bit long, but highly recommend. But also, it's very disturbing. And um, it's... I don't know if it's scary, but it's disturbing. Uh, so that I've been playing this game. I also play video games. Um, Nuh-uh. Ooh. Yep. Uh, you got me, Sean. You got me. Um, I've been playing this game called Fire Emblem Three Houses. It's on Switch. Um, part of the Fire Emblem franchise. And it was all the rage and all the internet was saying what a good game this is and how you have to play it. And I did that. And it is. I enjoy it. It's like a dating simulator, but Harry Potter and um, Game of Thrones, kind of. Or now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I have played some of the Fire Emblem games, and I believe that is a uh, tactical oh, combat nope, game. Nope, wrong oh, again. Okay. All right, well. <laughs> you give flowers to your students for them to like you. That, what, that is what Fire Emblem is. There's also Ooh, fishing, I... and you cook dinner for them. Um, no, yes, does a tactical that's not how anything works. <laughs> Giving powers Mama's to my right. students for them to like me is my job. <laughs> well, that's no. what you do at work, right? That's Sorry. what my work. That's what my job is. And you also that, ple- okay. they pledge allegiance to like different houses at your work, and like you're in charge of that house, and then you go and fight the other houses, right? <laughs> that's exactly what happens on a day to day basis. Uh, yeah, so there is a tactical strategy. That is actually the game. So, but the idea is that. Every month at the end of the month is a big battle that's story driven battle but throughout the month you train your students and you like teach them lessons but then you also like interact with them and like oh you're feeling down in the dumps huh Johnny well <laughs> you shouldn't feel that way you're going to be a good sword fighter 
And then he gets happy, and he's a better fighter that month because you made him happy. Mm. Well, why would you ever tell Johnny that he's not a good sword fighter if he's going to be discouraged? Because <laughs> I don't know if you <laughs> want to be an honest professor and like, like I'm not going to lie to this kid. He's going to die. Oh, also, there's permadeath in this game. So if your students die, oh. they're dead forever. <laughs> so, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's it's actually really good. It's really good writing and all those elements, some weird way, just work. And so, anyways, that's been <laughs> fun. Um, and... One final thing. I went back in time. Oh. Not again. Uh-huh. This time to the old Renaissance days. Or, no, the medieval days. Medieval times. I went to medieval oh, times. Oh, oh. I was going to just ask if he went to medieval times. <laughs> I did. That was what happened. Actually, I already knew that because I saw your Facebook yes, post. Yeah. And anyway, uh, tell us about that. I went there, and not only did I go there, but I made people married. I, I wanted to talk to you about that because when and I got it is married, your fault, Chewie. Ma- Maeve and I forced you at gunpoint to get a fish <laughs> to get your officiance license so that you could marry us. Yes, and I was wondering if this was a result of that. It is. It has paid off. So my friend Jordan and Tara, um, they went to Comic Con with us actually, Ryan and I. Um, but also they're the filmmakers I made that movie with earlier in the year. They're friends of mine and. They were getting married and they had this big plan to have a big wedding and, you know, as people do. You guys know about weddings, right? Anyways. We do. Um, but they're like, eh, it's going to be expensive and all this stuff. So, hey, do you just want to go to Medieval Times on Monday and marry us, Sean? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and it was like two days before this was happening. So I'm like, I guess so. Like, yeah, you're you're ordained minister. So you could just marry us whenever. We'll go get the paperwork Monday morning and then uh, we'll meet and go to Medieval Times. I'm like, okay. So we did. <laughs> we went to Medieval Times. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. And then like... They had bought, like, kind of the VIP passes, and there was a group of us, like, ten of us, and out, like, there's a little garden, kind of lobby, like, not even in, like, a big fancy garden, just, like, a little, like, a little bench in, like, some bushes, and they're like, well, all right, um, I guess we'll get married here, so we just, like, walked over there, and I'm like, uh, okay, and I just came up with something on the spot, I'm like... You guys love each other, and we're all here. <laughs> and they, I married them right there at Medieval Times. And then we went inside and watched uh, horses fight with people on them. That is, Wait, did they is... have to have people on them? Could it have just been horses fighting Oh, each there other? were a lot of non-people horses that were, like, dancing. There was a lot of dancing <laughs> horses. Um, Wait, how many but... Bojack horsemen were there? <laughs> oh, bagfuls, buckets of them. Um, but yeah, true story. So my friends are married and I'm responsible. And then we ate like, you know, turkey legs and, and garlic bread, whatever they ate like kings. <laughs> yes. Garlic bread. Yeah. Authentic medieval cuisine. Um, and also our server, the squire, we told him and he was like super stoked. He's like, Oh my God, that's so awesome. You guys just got married and you like didn't make it official through medieval times and have to pay all this stuff. And he was like, thought it was totally like punk rock or something. So he like gave us free food. He's like, I'm going to get you guys extra garlic bread. <laughs> that is the life. You guys got extra he, garlic bread. Yep. God. He, he's like, Oh, way to put, get, get back at the yeah, band, exactly. not getting married at medieval times. Show them, like, but still that, celebrating. That guy probably hates his job and he's just yeah. happy yeah. for any little, like, sticking it to it. Oh, also, actually, what's even funnier is so during the whole, like, procession at the beginning, like, they introduced the knights and then, like, the queen and stuff, all of the servers also are introduced. Like, they go out into the main, like, 
pit of the sand pit where they have all the fighting and all of our servers are out there too and they have to be like squires in their juice and you could tell they're just like this is embarrassing and you know they're servers they're not there for the performance but they have to do this thing but we cheered the loudest for our squires so like they introduced and the squire you know calvin and then we all cheered i think his name was steve actually Oh, that's kind of cool yeah that's good um, well, but it was fun night. times it was great uh our night was the first to die but it was still fun <laughs> um yeah so that's that's what i've been up to that's good I also feel validated. I'm glad that you've got use out of your being ordained. Exactly. How did, how, how did they know that you were ordained? How did I had know? mentioned that I had married you, you know, after just hanging out with them, you know, whenever, casually. And they must have remembered or something. And I'm like, oh, Sean, what have you got yourself into this time? I mean, it's no metal detecting. We, but I like to try to have no. some adventures. That's I mean, Sean's new hobby Sean, is marrying people, hanging is, around medieval times. If you do it one more time, Sean, it's a pattern. And that means that, that this true. is a thing that you just do. This is this is part of your identity. Exactly, that'll be part of who I am. I mean, it is that the actual technical of you know what you need to be married is so minimal, mm-hmm. and that like we tried to make it more than that. But all you literally need to do is just say, "All right, I'm I married you. I'm out," and then you sign the form, and that's it. You're married. And and there needs to be a witness. Yeah, a witness, and that's it. It's so easy to get married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what the point of that Sean, is saying. Sean, what are you implying? All right, fine. We can get married. <laughs> uh, so if you're looking at getting married, my email address is Sean Anthony Davis. Reach out. Um, but yeah, that's my chunk fire story. And now I'm basking in the flames with everyone else. Oh, actually, yes. that's not true. It's Chewy. You're watching us. <laughs> yes. You're watching us. Yes. Alive. I have you right where I want you. <laughs> Wait, you're uh, watching us? Yes. Right I, now? Yes. You can see me? Mm-hmm. Put your pants back on. No. Oh, okay. I tried. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. All right. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll kind of gradually shift gears from Chunk Fire into main discussions, because my Chunk Fire stories are plentiful this week. So The main way of doing that is just us setting fire to things outside of the campfire ring. Good. Good. I was going to do that anyway. All right. Uh, so... I guess I'll just asterisk real quick. Uh, as of today, I went back to teaching. This is today's like the mm-hmm. first day I've taught since February, since I went to the hospital. So I'm back. I'm back in the game. I'm back in it, baby. Um, but uh, I enjoyed the the ends of summer there. I got to go on. Uh, I got to go on a big uh, bucket list trip. I get to go. I've for a very long time. I've always wanted to go to New York, where I had never been. Uh, to a big New York trip and see a Broadway show every single day I was there. And I did exactly that, thanks to some generous gifts and some uh, flyer miles that some people donated to us. We got to do a really big, cool New York trip. Uh, so that's what I did. And I did a lot of the touristy stuff. Uh, our hotel was like right around the corner from Times Square, so we spent a lot of time there. Uh, I went to Central Park, toward Harlem, Hell's Kitchen... Uh, we went to the top of the Empire State Building. We went at midnight, which was cool because the view at nighttime is so awesome. And also just at, at midnight, there's just like no lines. I could tell that normally there's probably a lot of lines to get up there because there's all these just rooms full of switchbacks. But they were all empty. You could just walk straight through them and just go to the top of the building. So uh, we did that. And that was great. And uh, I ate a lot of hot dogs and because um, they're just... I, I just, the concept, it's <laughs> like throwing a match at New York. The concept, this is such a crazy concept that hot dogs are just like 
plentiful. They're just readily available anytime. If you, hey, you want a hot dog? It's going to manifest. It's there, <laughs> right? I've never experienced that in my life. That's that's crazy. So I had at least one every day I was there. Uh, and, but more than that, though. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Wait, like what does that mean? Elaborate. Yeah, yes. Uh, my doc- I, I went to the doc- my doctor's follow-up after the trip, and it was exactly that sketch. Like, Chewy, just, just how many hot dogs would you say you eat per day? On average, Bob, like seven a day. <laughs> I'll post a link to that sketch in the uh, okay. in this episode, because that is... It was pretty accurate. <laughs> I'm not yeah. gonna lie, uh, but yeah, we did a lot of touristy stuff. Uh, we did one of those hop on hop hop off bus tours. Um, but like I said, I went to a Broadway show every day. Um, in the order that we saw them, I saw Wicked, Beetlejuice, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, and Frozen. Uh, wow. So four very big uh, tech heavy, which is, I mean. Realistically, there are better shows that, like, better air quotes, like, more artsy, like, more acclaimed shows that we could have picked, but I, I, we both really want, we know what we're about, and we wanted to see, like, you know, the big, the big over-the-top, overblown shows, the, you know, nice. the crowd, the crowd-pleaser ones, so we went to some crowd-pleaser shows, uh, I'll talk, I'm gonna, I want to talk briefly about some of them, one of them, not so briefly, um, but I'll just kind of go through them, um, in pretty much order that I enjoyed them, um, so, Bottom of my list, unfortunately, it was Frozen. Um, I did very much enjoy it. If it were the only show that I saw, I mean, it's a, it's a very well put together production. If it were the only show that we'd seen on the trip, I would have been like, yeah, awesome. But it was the last show we saw and everything else we saw was better. And also, I think Frozen doesn't need to be any longer than the movie. I actually think the Disneyland stage show is better than the Broadway show. Um, but uh, yeah, it kind of it kind of had a hard time deciding if it was going to be faithful like try to stick really to the movie or make a lot of changes and it, it it doesn't really succeed at either one of them so um but it's a good production special effects are great sets are great the costumes are real lavish so it was a good that was a good time um uh wicked i'm not going to talk too much about wicked because uh sean and i you we had a little conversation about that recently because you just saw it for the first time within the last year right yeah i mean ryan and i saw it with our family it wasn't a year ago, but it was like ten months ago or something. Like that. It was a while yeah, ago. It was not that long. We could we talked about it on yeah. this podcast. I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. end of last year, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, we could. I mean, I'd seen it about a decade ago on tour. Uh, Maeve had never seen it, and uh, she played the Wicked Witch in productions of Wizard of Oz when she was a kid twice. So uh, she's big on Wizard of Oz and never seen Wicked. So I wanted to throw that one in there. Um, it's as good as I remember. It's excellent. Uh, Mostly the same. There were a couple little neat tricks that the Broadway show had that the touring show doesn't, I think, because, you know, it's a permanent production. Like, when the flying monkeys are introduced, there's way more of them, and they fly out over the house, and um, just little things, little touches that they can do because they know that they don't have to go on tour. Um, but, yeah, I, we, Sean, you and I kind of talked about how you were surprised by what the plot was actually about. Um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of was re-surprised. I forgot how, like, there's a very strong, like, justice for the oppressed theme in that show yeah and and i i remember that being there and i remember being surprised by that the first time i saw it but i kind of forgot how heavy it is um mm-hmm. like how, how much of an important thing it is to the plot um and that's there's not really anything like that in the original wizard of oz so you know it kind of re-surprised me but it's it's good it's in, it was a great time it's solid um on the uh 
the opposite spectrum of Frozen was uh, Beetlejuice, which I thought was the perfect. That's exactly how you ad- adapt a movie to stage. Like all the all the com- major complaints I had about Frozen were just completely opposite with Beetlejuice. Um, I like Frozen just like Frozen. I'm a huge fan of the movie Beetlejuice, um, and I was really impressed that um, nearly all the changes they made were for the better. And a lot of the changes kind of, quote, fixed problems from the movie that I didn't realize were problems until I saw them fixed. Um, There was a lot of shuffling of events in the story. There was a lot of fleshing out characters, giving certain characters backstory, just a lot of rearranging. And they really script, they really did a script doctor on the original Beetlejuice. And it, it shows in it, it's, it flows better. It's funnier. Uh, the the original movie the character of beetlejuice is not introduced until at least a third of the way through the movie you never Mm -hmm. even see him um you know he's introduced right away all the characters have motivations and they're established really early and just all the things that were memorable about the movie they made more significant and they tied it into other things and it's also the music's really upbeat and catchy and it was really funny um and from a stage check standpoint point the set design and the lighting design were phenomenal it's some of the best i've ever seen so um beetlejuice is great if you can catch it on tour if you're a tim burton or a beetlejuice fan and comes around on tour you should try to catch it um if if you are tim burton uh i'm sure tim burton's seen it already but i don't know i don't know what that guy's up yeah. to these days he's up until weird. you posted about watching it. i didn't even know there was a beetlejuice musical I didn't. I didn't know about it until like right before we started planning our trip, and I showed it to Maeve because she's also a big fan of the movie. And I'm like, "Look at this!" And we watched a trailer, and we're like, "Okay, we have to make room for this one. This looks incredible." Um, and it was. It was great. Um, highly, highly recommend Beetlejuice. And then uh, the sleeper, the sleeper one for our trip, which I was not expecting to like as much as I did because I've I've heard a lot of mixed things, was actually Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. I loved that play i cannot believe i'm still like i'm still like at the point like you know when you go see a movie or play or something that you really really like and for like the next couple hours you're kind of like shaking you're kind of like you kind of have that like energy you know the kind of i still get that when i like stop at any moment like if i just stop like and think about my experience watching that play i re-feel that again like i i loved that play so much and i i cannot Jeez. believe how much of a of an impact it had on me um it's you know for anybody listening or for any of you guys if you're not super familiar um it was consulted on and overseen by jk rowling but it was two other people that wrote that actually wrote it um and they they released the play script in book form and a lot uh-huh. of people and they kind of marketed it as the eighth book and a lot of people i know who have only read it like didn't really enjoy it and i'm having, one of those people Oh, and you, you didn't really like it? No, I didn't. I did not like that book okay. at all. As, but as, I remember thinking, like, man, this might make a visually very, very awesome stage play. Yeah, I, I in college had to read a lot of plays in classes where we would just study them, and there were a lot of plays that I didn't like when I read them. And then later on, I got a chance to see on stage and went, I love this. It, this wasn't meant to be read. And I sincerely, I will die on this hill. I sincerely believe that Harry Potter, Cursed Child, is one of those shows. Um, and I think it's it's because in a play form, I, like the play relies on the direction and the acting to sell the emotions and and really, you know, there's certain things that you can't you're not going to feel what they want you to feel unless you're in there in the room watching somebody sell you those emotions. And I, I really think that this is one of those shows that 
that's true for. Um, the show total play time, total runtime is five hours. Um, it's, it's it's four acts long. Every act is an hour and fifteen minutes. So it's split up into two plays. You watch Act One, Intermission, Act Two, and that's Part One. That's the first play. And then you can either go see Part Two on another day, or you can come back in the evening and watch Acts Three and Four. So you come back, and what's considered Part Two is you watch Act Three, and then there's another intermission, and then you watch Act Four. So total, it's even longer. You're spending even more time because of uh, intermissions, but time spent actually watching action is five hours. It's a lot of Harry Potter. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things about this. I mean, I mean. Somebody who's into stage tech, I loved the special effects. The The magic was so well done and well thought out and so convincing that, like, after a while, you, I don't want to say that it stops being special, but, like, it, they sell it so well that, like, at some point your brain just goes, oh, they're wizards. Like, <laughs> like they're just, I'm just watching wizards act out this story because the, like, like, uh, y- you know, the first couple magic tricks they do, there's, like, they, they give you a minute so you can kind of go, wow. But then after a while, they'll just do something magic, and the play just moves right on. It just goes goes on to the next thing. Um, so it just the world the world building on stage in front of you is is super um, super convincing. And there's some there were some really wow moments. Um, I don't want to go too much into spoilers, but there's there's a scene with Dementors, and there's a few Dementor scenes. But there's one the big first reveal of the Dementors. There's three that come down. They float down. And then one of them comes out over the audience and floats around the audience in circles. And we were on the mezzanine. We were at the front of the mezzanine. So it got right up in our faces. And I got to say, like, I'm not 100%. Like, I'm not really entirely sure how they how this effect worked. But I got to say it was convincing. Um, they look better than they do in the movie. Like, if Dementors are real, I'm convinced this is what they would look like. And anytime the Dementors were in the show, the, the, the theater went dark. They they changed the temperature, got cold, everything was blue. Um, they're skeletal, they're like covered in like ripped rags, and it's it's just very anytime anything like that had to happen, anything magical or anything otherworldly, they really figured out how to sell it to the audience, I thought. Um so it's yeah, it, and uh, there's there's water there's there's scenes where there's like there's a pool that's built into the stage that's revealed at one point and the characters like emerge from, which means that to do that, they have to go underground underneath the stage and get into this pool, and that means they're underwater until the scene starts, so they have to swim out of it and climb out onto the stage. So there's, they do stuff like that. Um, there's people shooting fire. Like, Have you guys seen Fantasmic at Disneyland? I know most of you guys have. You know that yeah. giant like jet of fire that the dragon breathes at the end? Mm-hmm. They're shooting jets of fire that size at each other at one point during the show. It's It's really over the top and crazy. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the plot's a little corny, it's a little fanficy, but I, I, it worked for me, and I really like, I mean, it's a time travel story, which a lot of people take issue with, um, but I actually think that thematically, they, they were able to tie in a lot of cool ideas and, like, character moments, and just kind of, they made it work emotionally, like, it's just kind of the idea, I don't go too much into it, but just kind of the idea that, like, you know, there's the ripple effect, right? Like butterfly effects in time travel fiction, where you go back and you change a small thing, it can have massive cons- consequences. They actually play that up on an emotional level, where like, you know, sometimes if you're just nice to a person in a small little interaction, that can 
change their day and that can change their whole life. And they kind of play that up a lot where it's like, you know, sometimes people just need to be shown a little kindness or just a small little thing can totally change their whole thing. And I like that they did that in a goofy fanficy way back to the future style but they also did it in an emotional thematic way and they kind of tied those two things together it was it was that really worked for me really well so um i enjoyed it i know they're doing they're opening a production of it in san francisco i i would love to somehow get up there and see it again but if not i i'd be really surprised if they don't make these into movies at some point i'd be very very surprised so but on stage that's the way that's the way you got to see it so uh, it's strong, strong recommendation for me. I would recommend don't read it. Go go see it on stage if you're able to. Because, yeah, it was... It made me excited for Harry Potter again. And I cannot remember the last time I was, like... I felt that excited magic about Harry Potter. So... Definitely wasn't from the crimes of Grindelwald. It was absolutely that. not. Definitely not. Um, oh, wait. Yeah. I do have one question. Sure, yeah. When you were in New York, did you ever hear anybody say, Hey, I'm walking here. Right. Yeah, I heard, I heard myself say that Did a couple you forget times. about things? What? Did you forget about it? Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, I did. did, did you Absolutely. Did, some, did you ever hear any, like, classic New York phrases? Uh, I probably did, but the thing hey, is... Hey, welcome that, to New York! Hey, gee golly! Yep, that's a classic one. Did you hear that one? Or are, did you hear, like, hey, I are, got some hot nuts for you? No, I, I, asked, I had to ask for them. I said, I'd like some hot nuts. <laughs> hey, Charlie, let's check out this guy over here. He wants some hot nuts. <laughs> that was a little Boston, actually. Yeah, whatever. It was a little bit. I feel like any time you try to do a New York accent, yeah. it becomes a Boston accent because Boston is so much more like yeah, pronounced. Yeah. 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 Like New York is just like. It's just it's just that you jerk loudly and you go to exactly New York. Yeah. like hey I'm walking here but Boston is like that's wicked smack <laughs> yeah you're gonna really have fun with it Vince I, I'm impressed by your you be able to, you're able to distinguish and and really pull all those accents off I think that's a that's that's your strength in the group here that's your power oh my gosh thank you so much you also have a metal detector I also have a metal detector These powers are imbalanced I feel Vince you have too many powers you're OP we have yeah. to we have to beef yeah. up our own. Uh, Don't worry, yeah. I'll snap my fingers and wipe out half of my powers. <laughs> good, good. Oh, you have that power. You have, the, weak, you have the biggest I weakness, love metal though. Children, so. Uh, I do. Yeah, sure. Yes. Uh, yeah, so uh, that was my New York trip. It was a, it was a uh, probably a once-in-a-lifetime trip. It was a very luxurious, very good time. I got to do exactly what I wanted to do. I went to New York and I saw a Broadway show every day I was there. And I enjoyed cool. every single one of them, and it was a great time. Um, footnote to this whole story: uh, I I had to take a plane to get there and back, and uh, so I watched some movies I hadn't seen. I also watched Captain Marvel again, which I'm not going to say anything else other than it. I thought it holds up way better the second time, um, except for the first beginning of it before she gets to Earth. I hated that stuff way more the second time, and the rest of the movie I loved way more. So that's my second viewing of Captain Marvel. Um, but movies I hadn't seen until the airplane, I watched, uh, Mary Poppins Returns and I watched How to Train Your Dragon 3. Um, Ooh. I didn't really like either one of them. Um, I didn't, well, I didn't dislike either one of them, but I, yeah, they didn't really do much for me. I, I kind of, yeah, I don't know. I mean, individually, Mary Poppins, I, I can best describe as a 
yeah, you know, we're we're gonna talk about Lion King later, but this whole slate of Disney remakes, like the the it it feels like a animated to live action remake in disguise, which sounds stupid because the original movie's live action for most of it. But like, I honestly feel like with Mary Poppins Returns, if they could have gotten away with doing a straight remake of the original Mary Poppins, they would have. But they knew that they couldn't get away with that because it's like. <laughs> Yeah, you know in the, the Red Lantern Media Review about the new Star Wars movies where they're just like, this is new Tarkin, and this is new Death Star, and this is new Vader, and this is new this. That's what this movie felt like. It was, this is the new Step in Time. This is new Supercalifragilistic. This is the new Feed the Birds. This is, mm-hmm. like, every every scene has an analogy to the original Mary Poppins. A lot of people I talked to who said that they liked this movie, their biggest compliment was it made me want to watch the original. And mm-hmm. I don't really know if that's a compliment. Like, because I think the movie right. follows the plot so one-to-one, like, the original so one-to-one, it's just like, yeah, of course, because it's going to remind you of the superior scene from the other movie. Yeah, um, that's the worst. Yeah, and, and I, you're gonna... I, I do have a couple positives, and the main one is that, I mean, well, to start with a negative, it also, the main adult plot is a bank plot, just like the original one. But unlike the original, it is not introduced in the last 20 minutes of the movie. It's introduced at the beginning, and it's a constant threat. And it's a constant thing that is being talked about throughout the course of the movie. There's a literal ticking clock element. It's not. It doesn't feel like it's just shoehorned in at the end. Um, so I liked that. At least it felt like the movie, like, in between all the time-filling, wacky Mary Poppins musical numbers, it, there, it, the movie could at least check in and say, okay, here's what's going on with the storyline. Here's where we are progressing. So I will say I'll give that as a strength. That at least felt unique, but I don't know. There wasn't a whole lot else there that really did much for me. Uh, well, and, what about How to Train Your Dragon? Um, I don't know. I thought uh, I liked it better than the second one. I'll I'll give it that, but I, I I don't know. I don't have a whole lot to say about it other than I thought it was just okay. I thought the plot was... Vince, did you see it? I'd, I'd be real surprised if you hadn't seen it by now. I actually haven't seen it. Oh, okay. It. Well, then I'll, I'm sure that you still are planning on seeing it. I uh-huh. thought I thought the, the storyline was pretty straightforward. Like, it wasn't too complicated. I feel like they backed up a little bit from the second one. Um, but because of that, the movie relies... Um, way more on your like your fondness for the characters and their interactions and their relationships and i never really had that like i i i I genuinely enjoy the first one i don't love it but i genuinely do enjoy that first one but i i feel like by now i should care more about these characters and these situations than i do and because the plot was kind of a little bare bones i just kind of felt like i was just sitting through it and things were just happening you know um like i didn't really i didn't really care about a female toothless plot. Um, I didn't really care that much about the whole like hidden world plot. Uh, you know, I, I don't know it. And for a end of a trilogy, I feel like it should have hit a little harder at the end emotionally. And maybe that's just me. Maybe Vince, you watch it and you love all these characters and maybe you get to the end of it and you get emotional. Like yeah. that, that there's a good chance that'll happen. But for me, it just wasn't there. It wasn't, I feel like they. I feel like they actually maybe should have gone a little bigger with this one if it if it was actually the end of the trilogy. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's fine. I mean, I you guys know I've never been the biggest fan of this series, but it's 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 not bad. I just didn't do very much for me. So what you're saying is it needed to subvert your expectations more. Uh, I'm not. I don't think I said that. Um. <laughs> no, but that's what you're kind of saying. 
I got. I don't know. It was just too straightforward. It was. There's just so not like enough if, there. If Hiccup ate Toothless, that would have been crazy. Yeah, I would have probably sat up in my chair at that point and there went, we "Oh, hey, hey, yeah, here we go. Something's going on here." <laughs> <laughs> so he just he just cuts out a piece of Toothless, starts eating it. You would have sat up in your chair, like, "All right." Finally. Well, I would not. We got a movie. Yeah, we're 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 moving. We got wheels here. We're we're moving forward. (laughs) I would love to hear you say all that out loud on the plane. (laughs) Like, what's going on in that guy's seat? Did did anyone? It still wasn't as exciting as when you when I watched Downsizing. Okay, in the plane, and everybody was literally saying, "What are you watching?" And you said, "I don't want to explain." Yeah, (laughs) and then your son was rolling around. Exactly. Actually, no, it was Ryan Davis who because not a single other person with that tablet looked on the menu and and saw the movie Downsizing. Nobody, nobody saw that as (laughs) not. To be honest, it was I did have to go pretty far in that tablet to find Downsizing. Oh, oh, so you sought it out? No, I okay, maybe. I did yeah, seek out yeah. How to Train Your Dragon and Mary Poppins because I was like, "Well, this is—I'm trapped on this plane. You I should find some movies I haven't how seen." How were you able to fit all three of those movies on your flight? It's only like a five-hour flight. Uh, I split, something doesn't add up. I split, you weren't in New York. I split <laughs> Captain Marvel in half. So, oh god! Uh, and it's a five—it's a five-hour flight. So I watched—I watched, I watched I one I movie I hadn't seen on each flight, and I watched half of Captain Marvel on each one. So, uh, yeah. Hey, Chewie, how, mu- how much of the free beverages and peanuts and pretzels did you partake in? I plead the fifth. I opt out. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always take full advantage. Yeah, it was it was an embarrassing amount. Um, <laughs> <laughs> please, like, how could it be embarrassing? Please you kept, you kept stopping the, the stewardess every time that she passed by. Yeah, or the flight attendant. It's like she was like, "No, I'm just here to collect your trash." Like, yeah, I know. Do you got any more pretzels? <laughs> that look, you. <laughs> yes, that's basically what that was. Basically, the lay of the land. Oh, please go into more detail, please. No, that's it. No, you got at this point. I'd be forcing it. That's basically what happened. We'll have to leave, let the listeners imagine someone on a plane asking for an exorbitant amount of free beverages and snacks, Vince. I guess. Okay, wait. Let me add one more follow-up, please. Sure, okay. Did you get some sort of, like, free meal on this plane? Because it was five hours long. Uh, I did. And the thing is, on the way there, I, I didn't know the meal were free. I thought we had to buy them. I could have had breakfast, and I opted out because I didn't know it was free. Um, and then on the way back, I had some sort of, like, some sort of mushroom ravioli dish, which was really good. I was just really surprised by how good it was. And corn chowder. It's good, what? too. Yeah. Did you complain about how hard it is to open the in-flight meals? The corn chowder? Who are they trying to keep out of these things? Uh, no. Right? Sean, I won't humor your references. I didn't, okay. that, didn't, that didn't happen. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was my New York trip. I'm going to I'm going to relinquish the the figurative and literal microphone here because uh, we got some we got some bullet points. Should I go over what we're we're going to go over for the rest of this? Um, um sure. sure. I mean, we could surprise them. We well, we're talking about Lion King later on. Well, okay, we're, 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 we we're already gonna, said that. We're going to talk about. I'm just going to go over it. We're going to talk about uh, Comic Con and some of the announcements there. Then we're going to Ryan and Sean are going to do a little talk about Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 hold on. The Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Thank and you. And then and then we're going to end with uh, a little bit beefier discussion on Lion King. I know we're we're almost at the hour mark, but this is the big summer blowout. So uh, yep, we're. 
exploding summer. Yeah, so... If, if there's a violent metaphor, then you know that it must be a cool thing. Excellent. Um, so let's move right along, <laughs> and I'm going to let... I'm going to let... I'm going to give this over to Sean as far as hosting and keeping this under control duties. So why don't you, why don't you lead this into the Comic-Con talk? Always a bad decision. Uh, yeah, well, Ryan and I mentioned we went to Comic-Con during the Chunk Bar stories, so now we're letting this fire loose, um, and we're going to go into more detail. Um, even though we were the only ones who actually went to Comic-Con, Comic-Con is as such that pretty much it's a cultural thing that everyone partakes in. Now, you went to Comic-Con. You went to Comic-Con. I and hate Comic Con. Jimmy, never speak of it. You went to Comic Con too, um, and Vince, you did go to Comic Con too, actually. Well, I parked in the parking lot, and then my son got pneumonia, and oh, then I went right. to the hospital for a month. That's <laughs> exactly you... what happened. I what literally a weekend. got in the parking lot, and then I got a call from the doctor saying, "Yeah, your child has pneumonia. You got to take him to the hospital right now." And I never left. You hadn't even brought him into the hospital. It was weird. You just got a random call from a hospital. Yeah, no. We have your was... son. We gave him pneumonia. <laughs> oh, doctors have like telekinetic abilities, and they can like, total like read minds, and they know what's going on. Hospitals are just ransom rackets, just holding your kids for ransom. Uh, well, you missed out on so much fun <laughs> Comic Con stuff, and I bet there was other people with pneumonia, so your son would have fit right in. So it wouldn't have been that big a deal. Um, but well, just real quick, I was going to mention a couple things that we did. And then we could get into some of the more broader trailer talk. Um, but it was fun. We walked around the hall and we went to panels. And I went to, well, Ryan and I went to a panel with Mark Hamill in it. And I didn't even know he was yeah. going to be there. Whoa. What a cool That's thing. That's pretty cool. Vince, no. <laughs> no, Vince, Vince <laughs> yes. It was pretty cool. I mean, Vince, what? yes. Why is that not pretty cool? What, it is pretty cool. On? You there's, there. plenty of, there's plenty of things Only to make fun of Vince about. Was that, cool. was a, that was a thing that he can say is cool. But he Vin- said it like he participated in it. No, I didn't. I said that's pretty cool. Vince, you All are right. valid for now. <laughs> what the heck's now. going on? Not All for right, much longer, fine. but for now. It <laughs> is pretty cool. No, it was – well, we went – we were going to try to – Ryan and I waited in line to get into The Witcher. There was a panel on the new Witcher TV series, um, which were fans of that franchise in the games and books. But – as is known in the Comic-Con um, legends, waiting in line means you probably won't get into what you're waiting in line for. Oh, so we God. didn't get into that panel. But we got in, yeah. and the panel after that was the Dark Crystal TV show. The, huh. the, you know, the new Netflix. There's is doing. Netflix, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so we're like, eh, well, we waited in line for this. Sure, let's go in and check it out. Not, nothing else is going on. So we got in, and then they announced the panel, and um, they had the creator, or one of the producers, and then or the director, and then one of the producers was Jim Henson's daughter. She's one of the main like producers, and so that was kind of cool. Uh, and then um, Taron Edgerton um, was in the show. He's a voice, so he came out. You know, uh, Kingsman and John yeah. Elton, Eggsy, Eggsy, Eggsy from uh, Kingsman, and Rocket Man, Rocket, Rocket Man, the Eagle, the Flying Eddie, the Eagle, Eggsy, the Eagle. Yes, Eggsy, the Eagle. Um, and then after that. They announced Mark Hamill, and he came out, and it was cool. I didn't even know, but he's a voice. Yeah, he's we didn't a, know. Yeah. So it was also – so that whole panel was fun. They showed a lot of the, obviously, production footage, and it looks freaking crazy, the amount of, like, the, the production. Like, it's all puppets. Yeah. You know, it's all, like, the movie. Practical. Obviously, it's a TV show. Practical effects, puppets, the way they built them all. Like, they have, you know, manual operators. So they they built an entire series of tunnels underneath the set so that the – human operators 
could walk amongst these tunnels and hold the puppets up. So it oh, looks cool. like they're you, you kind of get an idea what it is. Yeah. Um, so amongst a lot of other crazy things. But then Mark Hamill was just super charming the entire time and funny and just like endearing, telling stories and yeah. being his good old self. Um, and then they gave him the Comic-Con award during that panel, which was yeah. also awesome. So every year they give the, there's a Comic-Con award to like a figure, an icon that kind of, you know, emblematic of what Comic-Con stands for. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, this, yeah, someone who's contributed to the arts. Yeah. Of, Pop of, culture and stuff. Yeah. Last year they gave it to Kevin Smith, which was cool because Ryan and I were there when they gave it to Kevin Smith and yeah. it was awesome. Oh, man, um, and this does. year <laughs> they gave it to Mark Hamill. And again, I, I think it was a surprise to him as well. Like just, he was on this panel. So this was the opportunity to give it to him. And so, yeah, it was just awesome, you know, standing ovation and, just, I don't know, heartfelt and just fun, good old time. You know, yeah. clapping for Mark Hamill, getting an award at Comic-Con. I don't know if there's a more, like, pristine yeah, that, version of nerddom than that. Yeah, that was definitely the highlight of the entire weekend. Of Just, like, kind of, like, wow. That was, especially since it was kind of, um, re- well, random. We didn't yeah, necessarily exactly. intend on being there. So the fact that we were there. And it, it one, ended up being a really interesting panel. Mm-hmm very entertaining and also just really cool since i'm a, yeah, i think we're fans of jim henson in general um and the movie so that was really cool and then the fact that yeah mark hamill was there and got the comic-con award was just icing on the cake at that point um so yeah that was kind of the highlight but there was a lot of other fun stuff a couple other panels cartoon voices ryan and i went to this little like light uh, escape room light that they were doing with brooklyn 99 out front in the gas lamp hmm. um that was kind of fun, and we won. Our team won, and yep. we got something. And we, um, the only reason we got in is because the friends I was with, she, she's an actress. The the people I married, she's an actress, and she. We were walking by, and she recognized one of the people running the booth at the Brooklyn Nine Nine, like another actor who's working Comic Con as a gig. And so they're like chatting, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we wanted to do this, but the line is super long." And they're like, "Well, we could get you in." So all these people waited like six hours in line all day, and then we just like. Got in for no wait. What, and then we what won. What jerks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we did kind of feel like jerks. But... <laughs> Dude, that's like the best level of jerkdom, though. Like, that's, <laughs> that's what you aspire to be as a jerk. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I suppose. Um, and so that was super fun. And then a handful of other things. Ryan actually went to probably a couple more cool panels than I did. Because on the one day you're on your you're, – when you went to the other panels – yeah, I, I basically just locked myself in one of those room, you know, one of the big panel, bigger panel rooms, and I went to, there's Cartoon Voices, um, it was also, in addition to being the 50th anniversary of Comic-Con and the moon landing, it was also the 50th anniversary of Sesame Street, so they had a Sesame Street panel that um, felt a little odd being at the comic-con but then i realized wait a minute this is exactly the audience for these people i mean for all the reasons that like a jim henson production would be like we all grew up with sesame street it's been around forever so everyone in that room probably you know had some kind of childhood memory with comic-con so i was gonna say i mean with uh, sesame street sorry uh so that was really cool and then i also went to the kojima panel for uh death stranding I still don't know what's going on in that game. Uh, and it was... The, the panel was really interesting because Kojima makes very rare public appearances in the first place. So um, it was just kind of cool seeing him in public. Um, 
and what else oh yeah and then the brooklyn 99 oh and the what we do in the shadows also the tv show i went to that panel as well hmm. um and all of all of which were fantastic and it had the new zealand guy that is the director of the thor thing taika waititi taika waititi yeah that guy because he he directs all the you know yeah all yeah the, all the know, best movies all the best things and and then Brooklyn Nine Nine panel was freaking hilarious. Everyone was there from the show except for the uh, the chief and uh, Rosa. But otherwise, everyone was there, and it was freaking hilarious. That's great. That's a good. That's a cool. Uh, that's a that's a lot of cool people to see at once. You know, even just like if, yeah. even if we're just like Andy Samberg or whatever, I'd be like right. I'd be stoked. But that's a good cast to get to see. Uh, yeah. So Comic Con was great. Um, and then, of course, we did plenty of walking the floor, checking out stuff. One of our friends has a game he's designing that actually Ryan is co-designing but um, and worked on with him. But uh, mm-hmm. he they were displaying it at Comic-Con, like demoing it at the game rooms in Comic-Con. So mm-hmm. that was super fun, just like seeing him, you know, going and helping out and just kind of checking out how he's demoing it and showing people. And, uh, yeah, bought stuff that I don't need to buy. That's what Comic-Con's <laughs> about. <laughs> Um, but we, what we did not do was go to the giant Hall H rooms, partially because neither of us, it, we're too old for this to wait in line at Hall H overnight. Well, the, you mean the Marvel one? Because yeah, the Dark sorry. Crystal one was Hall H. Oh, that's right. The Dark Crystal one was Hall H. But we're not waiting in line overnight for Marvel panels, um, especially <sighs> when they release the trailers the day after and announce all the stuff anyway. So we weren't in the room, but like I said, Comic-Con is now just a global experience that kind of everyone partakes in. So lots of Marvel movies coming out of Comic-Con. Yeah, it's funny you were talking about just how it's a global experience because I think I was in New York during Comic-Con and just mm-hmm. like all of a sudden I just started seeing tweets and updates like about Marvel stuff and I'm like, oh, the Hall H panel is happening right now. <laughs> it's yep. like it must have just started. <laughs> But uh, tell us, let's talk about that. <clears throat> yeah, so they announced Phase Four, which was weird because I thought this was Phase. I thought we were done with Phase Four, but Spider Man was the end. No, but they just said, but this is all Phase Four in the announcement. Yeah. If you look at the poster, it says Phase Four, and then the timeline yeah. to twenty twenty two or whatever. Spider Man was the end of Phase Three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always had thought that was Phase Four, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Phase Four. Uh-huh. So they announced the next. I think the next film is until next. February or March, right? It's, it's the spring break time slot. Next yeah, year, spring next break. Year. So we don't have another film for, our, oh, well, I guess at this point, uh, eight months or whatever. So we have a little break from the film, but Disney Plus airs or comes on at the end of 2019, right? Yeah, um, I just pulled and, up the uh, the Phase 4 yeah. graphic that everybody's And that's when the next kind of couple things actually hit, and they are including a lot of those TV Disney shows. Plus? Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably yeah. get it. Yeah, how much is it per month? It's uh, if it, if you just want Disney Plus, it's I think it's uh, like eight, seven or eight bucks a month. But there's a package that comes with Hulu and ESPN that I think is thirteen a month. Hmm. So it's uh, I mean I don't care about ESPN, but that is a pretty good deal for three streaming services. Hey bro, yeah, you can add bad. people on that account. I care about ESPN. How about uh, you know? Uh. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> Let's just talk about how we're going to take advantage and uh, illegally of these streaming services and then put that conversation on the internet. That's not illegal. You can add friends and family. That's a thing. Yeah, okay. 
<laughs> well, we'll decide the legalities later. But yes, uh, Disney Plus is including a lot of their their Marvel cinematic stuff. And they're really embracing it with these TV shows, whereas they've distanced themselves with sharing the same universe with like the other, the Netflix shows, where they're technically kind of are in mm. the same universe. But you know, but so the first thing up though is is it the what is it? It's Black, it's Black Widow in May. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, oh, that's the next thing. I thought there was something at the end of this year a Marvel show like. No, not that I'm, I'm looking at the the graphic. Hawkeye isn't the uh, no, until Hawkeye doesn't okay. happen for a while. That's fall 2021. Okay. That's a while uh, ways out. What about the Wanda Vision? That is spring 2021. So if uh, you want to see 2020, we've got Black Widow in May. Uh, we have in the fall the Falcon and Winter Soldier series on Disney Plus, and yeah, then no, November so the Thanksgiving slot is Eternals. That's a movie. So three three MCU things next year, and then everything else that they announced is crammed into the 2021, so that'll be a little while. Um, but uh, yeah, what's interesting about those streaming shows is that you were talking about how the difference with the, the, the Netflix ones, these, you know, they're, they're embracing the canon, but they're also just, from what I understand, they're not supposed to be ongoing shows. They're like... So like they're just like eight like Stranger Things season like an eight or a ten oh, episode yeah. season and that there's not supposed to be more than that it's just basically a long movie they're treat it's from what mm-hmm. I understand they're treating these these streaming shows as movies but you know Longer. not nine hour long movies basically yeah so I think that's kind of neat I don't know well we I, yeah. it, it open to that idea it's an just... emergent form of media hybrid TV show movie mm-hmm. miniseries I guess. I guess if there's a reason for that to, for that to be that long, yeah. you know. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I are you guys actually excited about any of this though? Like, I don't know if I could say I'm really excited. I, I'm glad that we're not getting anything till next year. I do think that it's good that there's a little bit of a breather. I'm I'm ready to kind of rest from the Marvel stuff for a while. I don't know if I'll be ready by next May or if I'll care about Black Widow. But, um, but just in general, do you care about any of the stuff they announced? Yeah, I, the Thor kind of seemed interesting. I'm excited for that. Um, the stuff I, but I don't know. I'm excited for most of it. Um, I, I'm not super. I mean, I, it might be fun, but I'm not super excited for what if. Um, it's a. Yeah. It's basically just yeah. an animated alternate timeline stories, which could be fun, but I I don't know if it's. I mean, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I, and then I, I don't really know about Hawkeye, and I, I, I know so little about the Eternals as a concept that it's hard for me to get excited about, but yeah. that's been, I've been that way with most of these Marvel properties, Iron Man, Thor, Guardians of the Galaxy, almost all of them, I'm like, well, I don't really know anything about this, so I'll just go in and see what it is, and yeah. I've enjoyed most of them, so... Um, so a lot of them, I'm kind of just like, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt until proven otherwise, um... But yeah, I would say that just in general, I, I am excited. Um, I think Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is like the coolest title. Like that's the most yeah. enticing title. And then Thor Love and Thunder with that very um, He-Man logo looks fun. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm down. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm down for it. I guess I... I it's not that I'm not going to see them or interested, I guess just excitement. Maybe it's just, like I said, just it's a, it's a subdued, like, yeah, okay. That's interesting. They're, they're still doing stuff and I'll still see it. They got stuff going, but I'm not like pumped. Like, Oh my God, I can't wait for that. You know what? Yeah. I I think it's, well, 
well, yeah, I think part of it for me, because I, I know what you're getting at, Sean, I think I at least share some of that, but is this like coming off of just the insanity that was Endgame? Mm-hmm. Um, it was such a huge buildup, and it's hard to um, even imagine that anything can top what they just did. So I think it's kind of like, oh, this is still going, right, mm-hmm. okay. Well, I mean, I don't know. They're going to have to really convince me that it's with it's worth me getting excited over not that i'm like some sort of like you must prove you to must me please me it's worth yeah i don't mean necessarily mean it like that but at the same time i think there's an emotional state where you're kind of like that it was kind of emotionally exhausting going yeah, through all that yeah. so it's like a matter of like ooh man am i ready for that again i know i know what you're saying because i felt similarly going into spider-man far from home but i loved spider-man far from home i went to go see yeah, it. I, I, I saw it again and i I, I think I liked it more the second time, and I definitely put it in my top, at least top five, maybe top three Marvel movies ever, um, and I thought I was, but coming off of Endgame, I'm like, ooh, boy, that was a lot of story. Those were a lot of stories, and that was a lot of build-up, and I think I need a break, and then I went to Spider-Man, and I went, nope, turns out I don't, because they wrote me right back yes. in, and I went I went to go see Endgame a second time, and it didn't have the same magic for me the way that Spider-Man did, surprisingly. Like, I kind of was just like... I, I kind of, in a way, Endgame was like an ending. It was like, all right, let's move on to the next thing. I guess I'm more excited going forward than kind of what has to come, you know? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of see what you're saying. I mean, I, I for sure loved um, Far From Home as well, but I think I'm more, I am, and I'm super excited. It got me super excited, but I think it got me more excited for just Spider-Man yeah, than sure. the MCU at large. Um, right. Also, what did you guys think? So, did you guys were you guys expecting it? Surprised, not surprised of any lack of announcements about any of the Fox properties that they potentially could be like there was no hint or inkling of any mutant stuff. I am not That's expecting I'm not expecting to see mutants or X-Men for a while. Um, I was surprised that there was no Fantastic Four stuff. Yeah, or Fantastic Four. But we might still, they might still set up Doctor Doom or or Galactus in any of these things without setting up Fantastic Four. The nice thing about Fantastic Four is they can introduce that story at any time, whereas Mm -hmm. mutants, we have to explain and come up with an excuse for why mutants haven't been here this whole time. Um, And I think, I think with this, like, this WandaVision stuff, which is supposed to be tied to Multiverse of Madness and all the, the weird time travel stuff. I think I think this phase is a, a chance for them to kind of like take a step back and figure out how logistically, how are we going to incorporate all these new properties in phase yeah. five? And maybe let's just take a break and just kind of just let's just we got, they got to start planting seeds again. They can't jump to another Thanos. They got to start planting seeds. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think they're smart enough. They know how it has to be done. They don't want to rush into it. And so all of that, for sure, I, I give them the credit that I think they've earned mm-hmm. in terms of how they're building that and stuff. So I, I do hope I think uh, I think it, it would be clear that this is going to be a transitionary phase, which just sounds like hilarious. Like, that sentence alone. This is a transitionary phase in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I think it's exactly yeah, apt. I think that's like exactly right. Thing. Yeah. You have to talk about it like it's like it's nothing else that's going on right now in yeah. cinema. So yeah, it is a transitionary phase for this crazy thing. You can't say that about other you know, right, you, you can't because there's nothing to compare it to. They are writing the rules for what it is that they're doing, and we have to just sit here and guess what those rules are. That's kind yeah. of the – and it will re- reveal it to us in time, but yeah. until then we can only really speculate. 
On further thought, yeah, you're absolutely right in that, if nothing else, I'm excited because it's unknown, and there's an excitement to that. And I, I, I agree that just the unknown, these are going to be new characters, new franchises, and slightly new worlds. So, and I don't know where it's going to go. Where are they going to take it? Yeah, that's exciting, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Yeah. And um, th- they're giving sorry, me what yeah. I want, just as a last note. I said, I do not want X-Men in this phase. I don't want to see X-Men for several years and this is at least confirmation that i won't get it for a few years yeah that's true i I still think yeah i would i would love for them to introduce x-men or individual mutants or x-men in other franchises until they build to maybe that something i could see that being almost similar to how they did the avengers i want fantastic four they've botched two fantastic four attempts already it can't be that hard i don't i feel like that's like they get they gotta really be sure like okay if we're gonna do this it's brought down. <laughs> it can't be that hard. What's the problem? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> they made Guardians well, of the they... Galaxy work. They made a bunch of other yeah. weird stuff work. I mean, the thing is, unfortunately, they can't include Michael B. Jordan again. It's... Because he's already in the Oh, Marvel that's true. Like, you know, no, sure they can. I mean, uh, Chris Evans is the original Flame. That's true. Sure. Well, what? No, but Michael B. Jordan is literally in the MCU. Like he can't be, he can't be. Yeah, but that's what Ryan's saying. That's what I'm saying. They made Chris Evans part of the MCU, even though he was already in Fantastic Four. No, but so he was part. He was in the in a Marvel movie. Chris Evans was, but Chris Evans has the MCU role of Captain America. Uh-huh. Michael B. Jordan he has, was has the MCU role both, role of Warmonger monger. He can't. He can't also <laughs> reprise the role of. Whatever, fantastic. You're I don't saying, want oh, him to. At, you, you're saying concurrently. You're saying concurrently. Yeah, Vince, why would well, why would anybody or, want that? Why would anybody want anything else but them to throw that version of Fantastic Four entirely in the garbage? Like, why would why would we want him? You're saying this how to wrong. It's fan four stick. Why would we want? <laughs> I throw all of fan four. Well, but also, uh, Warmonger <laughs> is dead. Also, so that's true. He could get reincarnated. I've heard to- I've heard that he was in talks to come back for Black Panther two at some point, but may- I feel oh, really? like he's going to be hanging in Purple Spirit Realm. I think that's where we'll see. Yeah, him. I think- oh yeah, he has to because he technically was the or king. Or flashbacks, I can see it be flashbacks. No, he would be there because he was the king for at least a moment. Yeah. Is he Mufasa? He's going to be in the clouds with Mufasa. I hope no, so. He'll- yes, he'll be in the clouds. <laughs> Speaking of that. No wait, we're we're jumping too far ahead. Also, also, there's there's another bullet point before that too. So oh, there's another major bullet point for Comic Con. I don't know if Chewie, you this is where you're going, but I what I had a couple another thing to talk about outside of the MCU. Sure, go for it. So there were other trailers that were revealed at Comic Con. Some of the stuff was somewhat exciting. We got some Top Gun, Maverick. Um, we got the new Terminator. I don't know, Chewie, do you have thoughts about Terminator? Um, no, all right, got it. And then the most important thing to you know coincide with our line uh, of this year's theme of trailers that break society, we have the fantastic trailer for cats that wasn't released. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that trailer came out, and we haven't had an episode since it came out to talk about yet. So I think this is very important. So just to give you, if you haven't seen the trailer, hey, hey guys, do you remember when we were camping, like at our camp, like uh, ten years ago? Mm-hmm. And I woke up in the middle of the night screaming. Oh no! And I had a night terror. And you guys tried to get me to describe it the next day, and it was hard to describe. And I was just like trying to describe you visual thoughts and images and stuff. Yeah. Well, this trailer came out, and that that was my dream. 
The funny <laughs> thing is, I now know your pain. Chewie had a similar response, which was just <laughs> really. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. I remember coming home one of the days after the Comic Con and talking to my roommates and we didn't talk about the next marvel films we're all like have you seen the cats trailer <laughs> and we and then one of us hadn't seen it like oh my god we're watching it right now and we didn't watch any of the marvel things we didn't watch any of the witcher trailer we watched the freaking cats trailer <laughs> uh yeah well i don't every, i every, don't know where to even start everything with about it is baffling for one thing tom <laughs> hopper and they even yeah. say in the trailer, Hooper, Tom Hooper, Tom Hooper from the director of, <laughs> from the director of the King Speech and Les Miserables. <laughs> what? What is? Mm, I, yes. I once again pose. What timeline are we living in? What is this? I don't know. Um, yeah, I was just. I the thing is that I remember reading a year, at least a year ago. Oh, this move, this Cats movie finally in production. They finally started filming. And they announced the cast. This was at least over a year ago. And I remember reading that going, that is bonkers. But then I, my brain kind of just immediately deleted that information <laughs> until the trailer came out. And I went, oh, right. Oh. And you had a 404 error. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I broke. <laughs> I, I broke. The, the trailer broke me. I did not. I, I don't even. Well, the thing is, I, I have, has anyone ever actually seen the, the, the play? No, I haven't. I have but not. There's a there's a Broadway streaming service that has r- recordings of Broadway shows, and they have cats mm-hmm. on there. And I'm tempted to like subscribe for a month so I can watch. Yeah, them. my my exposure to the Broadway play is the fourth season of Kimmy Schmidt, when kids, <laughs> 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 which I think is accurate. So I'm going yeah. solely based off that. Um, also, I mean, I know a little <laughs> loosely about it. It's based on T. S. Eliot poems. And the, there's no, like, linear narrative. It's just about cats. Each song is about a different cat. And there's the, the real base plot is, like, there's a cat. And he's going to choose one of the other cats to die that night. And then you're going to meet all the cats. And one of them dies. And then get, it gets reincarnated as another cat or mm-hmm. something. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm again, I'm just, this is what I picked up of the plot. Um, but there's no real plot. Like, there's no, like what we consider a traditional plot in human society. Sean, do you um, think we will get the Cats cinematic universe? <laughs> I think that is phase five. That is what it's all been leading well, to. Well, no, the, in um, order to do it, I, I don't want the Cats cinematic universe because that's just Cats. <laughs> I want that, I, I, that's just the movie Cats. I want the Andrew Lloyd Webber cinematic universe. They've already, <laughs> they've already done Phantom of the Opera. Next one I want is Starlight Express. I want the one where everybody Starlight Express, Starlight Express on rollerblades. I know. I knew you guys were about to quote Family Guy, but do you guys actually know what that show is about? I have it's no a idea. Future. Is it like want. a dystopian look, future look, sci-fi look, thing? I'll make this simple. Imagine it's cats, but instead of cats, everybody's a train. <laughs> so it's cars, basically. It's Thomas the Tank Engine. You could just call it trains. Oh. That would be a better name for it. It's just trains. Everybody's a so train. Peter Griffin's. Interpretation is accurate. Yeah, that's the joke. Starlight <laughs> Express. Uh, <laughs> the main but, character is okay, a train wait, named Starlight Express. Problem, just in our day and age, with like the 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 word, the verbiage of cinematic universe. Like a movie can now exist as just a singular movie, but now it and is it's still a cinema. Yeah, it well, has a because universe. it's a franchise. There's no such thing now as a singular piece of media everything is even if it doesn't have another movie it has a tie-in app or a promotional campaign or a little mini web series or a comic book or like right so everything is now part of it 
you have to have cross media, you know, mm-hmm. pollinization. That's the word, right? I mean, like, how long is it going to be to where it's like we have like horrible like historical events that become their own cinematic universe? Like, there's like a twelve years. There is. I talked about cinematic this. Universe. Didn't I bring this up in a couple episodes ago about the cinema shared cinematic universe of like historical times? So, speaking of Tom Hooper, like the King's Speech. And that Churchill movie that came out oh, yeah. last year. Oh, just yeah, anything that Dunkirk. takes place during World War II is the World War II cinematic. Yeah, but like it's the specifically about universe. British. Okay, so like, but, about but then also like the moon landing, if you go watch the right stuff, and then like uh, Apollo 13 and the Neil Armstrong, uh, first man, then Apollo 13, right? Like it's this shared, it's all the same characters and they're like, yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, Ryan, uh, you just sent us, you- I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I I I don't mean to party, party pooper, but uh, we're 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 at an hour and twenty, and we haven't talked about Hobshaw or Lion King yet. So, <laughs> so unless you guys have we, any burning things to add about Comic Con or cats, I think we might want to think about moving on here. Uh, that's fair. I I've got one uh, burning thing. Do you go, think Halle Vince. Berry will have a surprise cameo? In what? No, if they had Halle Berry, they would put her. Because no, they put everyone that else. Would be a, in that, that would be a major trailer. marketing yeah. thing if they if she was in the movie. So they have. Plus Judy Dench, what? like, and is that? Judy do you think this Judy Dench acting? And Jason they, Derulo, do they Taylor see, Swift? I know that was insane. Taylor Swift is in this. This is the most insane cast of any movie. And why are they miniature? Like, why is why are they the size of? Because they're cats, <laughs> but they're human. They're clearly human. It's like yeah. Island of it's the Island of Doctor Moreau. If was a musical. Well, I know one particular demographic that will be a huge fan of this movie. Furries. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not going I'm not taking the bait. We're not going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> There's no rabbit hole. It's just Good. a statement. Let's let's move on. It's, it's just a, a flat piece soft, of earth. Cuddly rabbit There's hole. grass growing out of it. It's very pleasant. Uh, um, I'm tapping out right. for this one. Ryan and Sean take over. Here we go. We're moving on. <laughs> uh, uh well, Hobbs and Shaw, I don't know what's more disturbing, uh, Hobbs and Shaw as a franchise and or film than or cats. Well, well no, I mean, if after seeing the movie, it's clear they're trying to make it its own franchise within the yes. sub-franchise of Fast and the Furious. Yeah, um, that's exactly true. Well, okay, so first look, of all, Vincent Matt... How much longer Matt... can The Rock do this? I'm just like, first, let's just say it. <laughs> do the Rock this. is like 60 We all old. know what this means. Um... <laughs> <laughs> we do because i'm making hand gestures that <laughs> yes you can we all we all know but okay just to preface though vince and matt you have not seen but you also don't care about spoilers not at all <laughs> and also <laughs> if you're listening to this and you care about spoilers for Hobbs and yeah Shaw, i would like I, to meet the okay, person that cares please about write spoilers. in and tell us genuinely i want to know. and also skip ahead because we're about to talk about Hobbs and Shaw. also he um, but, also okay, the rock actually, is to be the f- rock is 47 years old he's got 13 years until vince can ask yeah that i know i was exaggerating i knew he wasn't 50 but i'm saying he's been in movies well, for like 30 years that's old has it been that long well i guess scorpion king was like 2003 no it's 2001 almost 20 years okay well let me just say flat out i this year at the very least in a while i have not despised a movie more than oh really oh i did not like this movie at all (laughs) despise is a very strong word but i stand by it um i want and and this is not going in with a pretentious film like I knew what this film was going to be for, before I went in. 
Clearly, I was not under any illusion. Sean, I but... would like to say, isn't that just what a pretentious filmmaker would say? Would they? I don't know. I, I, like I continue. I, I think they would be more, you know, closed-minded. I was going in pretty open-minded. This to me, this, this, it was so. Like every, the last couple of Fast and Furious movies, I've enjoyed. I think we've kind of generally talked about how like five, six, and seven or something. They've been fun for what they are, and they've just been that crazy roller coaster ride. And there's no illusions about them being some high drama, but they're just really good, fun, entertaining action movies. And that's what I was hoping for at the very least for this. And to me, it was not. It was like mean spirited and stupid on all the worst levels. It was not self aware. It wasn't like trying to play with any of that stuff. And I guess part of it is it was like, it was like, you know, in those eighties movies where like, there's the bully who is bullying the main character, like at a ski resort. (laughs) It's like, you, you stupid little wimp. You can't do this. Imagine if that character is the main character of a movie, but not ironically, like they literally let me think it like, yeah, this guy's cool because he's strong and that, and he's cool because he's strong. (laughs) That's why you should like him. Because he's Sean, strong. I just I have to ask, how many '80s movies can you remember off the top of your head where there's a bully at a ski resort? Well, it's the South. I was going off the primarily the South Park, <laughs> you know, parody, but um, all those like '80s kind of you know cliche '80 movie style movies where okay. it's like a kid in school and there's a bully well, and stuff. Okay, so Sean, that's my, who, that's my who, who in the film is is that bully? Because to me, this was a it's a quote unquote buddy frenemies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for thing. sure. It's so they're, they're bullying each other, which is, well, I think it's a, at least supposed to be the charm of the film is that, oh, these these two people get, you know, like what Turner and Hooch and they don't like each other, but they will. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. Like, I'm not sure who you think the bully is. I'm well, not, no, I'm not, I'm not sure. saying I, I mean, I don't mean they're bullies in that there's someone who's not a bully. I just mean, imagine if you take the character, that character and that's that's the characters, and that's the that's your hero in the movie. I'm not saying that the relationship is part of the movie. I'm just saying that type of character, like I don't like that type of character, even if he's not per se bullying someone. I, I don't know if that's too obscure, but that's that's all I'm saying is that those characters, the character of the Rock and Jason Statham, but right. primarily the Rock in this, like I I like the rock in general i don't think he's a good actor but i think he tries a lot and i give him and i like him for that but in this i disliked him i disliked him in this movie that's unfortunate because i agree with you he's charming and he's fun to watch and even when he's acting bad he's he's a good time yeah i think he plays best when he's playing against that type of character like in jumanji that's funny because he's like oh he's nervous and shy and kind of and like or even like, uh, what's that CIA movie? Like he's a nerd, and like you know when he's kind of playing not the jock. Like when he plays into that, and even in the Fast and Furious movies, he's not the main character, so it's kind of fine because he's to the side and he's kind of the flavor uh, playing against. Well, Vin Diesel's not much better, but some of the other characters, at least you have a variety. But in this, it's just like embracing this. Just like yeah, if you're smaller than me, you're a bad person. You're not, you're not a good, you're, you're stupid. And I'm going to make fun of you for being a small person. And, you know, masculinity is about being stronger. That's all well, it's about. Well, okay. I guess I don't necessarily disagree with that, but Jason Statham, to me, that was more a trading of blows between Statham and, and Johnson because Statham gave equal blows and yeah. saying that he's a hulking mass. Like, right. There's that one scene where he's like, okay, 
the rock is something like, oh, well, let's, we're going to stealth in there. We're going to sneak in there. And Jason's like, Statham's like, wait, have you seen yourself? You are a gigantic mass of a human. There's no way you're sneaking anywhere. <laughs> like, I don't know. It is to me is like, yeah, he was giving Statham crap for being small and he was giving it bash back. I, I, I took that as banter. I, I didn't really pick up the bully uh, element that you're referring to. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, I agree that there was, it was banter for sure. I just mean just like in general, but it, like it, it made fun as Jason, like he kind of poked fun at Jason Statham, like, oh, you're not as big as me and stuff. But just on, on a general sense, not just pertaining to the rock, but just in a general sense, it came down to like, yeah, if you're not big and strong, then you kind of suck. Like, uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, mean, I don't know. And I, I'm not, I, and obviously, I mean, I'm, it is an action movie. I'm not yeah, sure. I suppose, but I just mean like. But- I don't know. Like I'm looking too far into it, but when the virus in the movie is called the snowflake virus, like Ugh. I don't know if that's intentional. Oh, yeah. that, that like, was... I didn't know that. You know what that's I'm saying? Gross. Like yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like this film is like it's very mean spirited in that regard. It's like, yeah. look, no, this I is... definitely agree with that. So those kind of things, and and if it was just that, I could look beyond it. But then also, also it was just like, I don't know. It was just also dumb and not funny like i the banter stuff i think they thought they were a lot funnier than it actually was like there's that scene in the plane with kevin hart like i know exactly what they were going for with that scene but to me it it didn't work and and maybe the audience jokes yeah like well it's funny that you mentioned like there's who cares about spoilers but the one thing i would say that there is spoiler to material is the the guest celebrity yeah so actually cameos the guest celebrity cameos were were the the, best part of the film yes ryan reynolds was actually the best part of this whole film i thought he freaking like stole he was only there for like 10 5 10 minutes and he stole the show you're like god dang it ryan reynolds like yeah exactly why aren't you just in this movie well part of that just kind of shows like ryan reynolds he actually has comedic timing and he's charismatic and he's funny and then when you have the whole rest of the film with the Rock, and yeah. I actually like Jason Statham to a certain extent, but I, I didn't really like him in this movie, obviously. But like, well, you guys don't quite have it. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, they, 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 there was a lot of jokes that they you could tell they wanted to be funny. Yeah, I think maybe one out of every ten landed, and I would go, oh, okay, you know, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but I don't. Overall, I I can't say I hated the film as definitely not as much as you. Yeah. To me, I was just like, this is a, a, a cute little. Just an adorable little summer action movie. Um, not gonna. It's gonna. It's gonna. It's probably an hour too long. But yeah, it was too long too. I mean, yeah, I'm. I'm being way overcritical. It's not. It's supposed to be a some fun or fun summer action movie, and it is right. I'm not saying it's not that, but to me, it's just like it's like James Bond without the suave and the charisma. charisma oh, and the, it's, it's funny because that's exactly how it, I said this movie is not a Fast and the Furious movie. It's not a Fast like, and the Furious movie. It's, it's it's like Mission Impossible, but without any of the smarts <laughs> or intelligence. It's like yeah, take it, all these other franchises and take about take the good stuff from those other franchises, and that's what you're left for Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, it's funny that you. So when I describe this movie to people, I said like, it's not a Fast and Furious movie. Imagine Mission Impossible or James Bond. And just make it not as fun and not <laughs> yeah. as good, but but it's funny because I chose both those two films because it's just yeah. like a spy action movie, shoot them up, you know, do your thing and have a good time, and that's all that's all there is to it. Yeah, I it it, it doesn't warrant strong emotions either way, and I understand that. How's but Abus that being Alba? said, I I did not like it. But there you go, Hobbs and Shaw. All right, a little chunk of Fast and Furious. Well, uh, Tokyo. Right. Drift. You guys have said your pace. Your piece. Speaking of, does not elicit strong emotions either way. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's move on to our last. Lion King. Yeah, here we go. Yes. Yep. All right. Um, Lion King. Well, 
I'm not spoilers. Stupid doesn't even matter. It's the same movie as the animated Lion right. King. I don't. So whatever, go watch that stupid movie or that good movie if you want to know what happens at this stupid movie. Um, well, okay, so this movie's fine. It's just fine. It. I don't know. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if they, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not sure how much there is to be talking about this because I definitely did not have a strong emotional reaction to this film. I, I yeah, I was really just like, okay. I was going okay. in I mean, expecting to dislike it more than I did, but that being said, I did not like it. Like, right. I, well, I, I don't know. It was. It's what exactly what you like if you were to describe. It's the Lion King, but um, they just put CG animals in instead of like photorealistic CG animals. And right. imagine like, that that's what the, there you go that's yeah. your movie that like there's nothing beyond it beyond that right and so there's trade-offs to that right because one on one hand you might say well just on a pure, like artistic level you're like oh wow that's that, are, are those real lines did mm-hmm. they actually animate these these look super real even the behaviors are mm-hmm. super real the way the lines pace and things like that yeah so you're like okay i mean it's pretty cool it's like i'm watching a nature video yeah i thought the same thing i'm like oh this reminds me more of like planet earth or something yeah well, which I, uh, is and then you kind of cool i yeah. i'm gonna fully acknowledge my bias here uh lion, lion king is my favorite disney animated movie uh lion king is my favorite broadway stage show um i did not like this movie at all um and yeah. you're mentioning the planet earth stuff one of the things that i like about both of the other versions of lion king so much is that it has like a magical quality and mm. there's like a bit of like mysticism and there's like a dash of spirituality and that kind of stuff and it's just kind of like the whole circle of life it gives it this more like it's less of a bio biological circle of life and more of just like the world's in balance and the scene that i feel like most exemplifies my distaste for this movie is the scene with the ball of poop because like you can't have simba just like express his angst and have the angst fly away in the sky and then have rafiki sense it you have to have a literal piece of hair like, get carried yeah. by an animal, uh, and then someone eats it, and then the animal poops it out, and then a dung beetle rolls it into a ball, and the ball floats down a river, and through this convoluted nature documentary series of events, it gets back to Rafiki, and that's how he knows Simba's alive. Like, that is representative of everything that I didn't like about the movie. Like, it's just, it's got no character. Because the animals look too real, they can't express any emotions, the color is all yeah. gone. Like, I just feel like, right. like we, we always have to have ask this question, like, what are we adding or what are we gaining by remaking a thing? And mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it just, it, it took away. It didn't, it didn't add anything except for runtime. <clears throat> yeah. Right. I love that you mentioned color, Matt, because yeah. that is one of my, in terms of this visual elements, uh, sticking to that for, I guess right now, um, it, it like, it lacked any color, which provides a lot of character and, and, pop to the film right mm-hmm. like the, and that goes in part to the music where especially in i can't wait to be king that that scene or that you know that, that musical number in the animated is so vibrant and lively and fun and just bombastic and crazy and, and this one is it's i don't know it's like yeah okay yeah I mean, there's a lot of stuff it's but fun you... i mean it's all imagine if you it's exactly if you if you imagined animals running in the wild and put some music over it. Like, if right. you just put narration and, like, voices over a nature documentary, you wouldn't be that far off from what this film elicits yeah. emotionally. When, it, when everything's right. supposed to be happy, everything is tan yellow. When everything's supposed to be sad, mm-hmm. it's gray. There's and even, right. Wait, even, so... even, when, even in, like, uh, the original, like, Be Prepared, 
it's the villain song. It's like green, you know, like yeah. there, right. everything is vibrant in some way, even if it's like dark or depressing or whatever, it has its own vibrancy and its own color palette. There's, there's no color literally or emotionally in this movie at all. Right. So would you guys uh, compare it, this more to like, like Homeward Bound? No. No, I mean, we're saying nature documentary, <laughs> but that's only on the visual level. Like it's, it's structurally scenically character like dialogue everything is almost exactly like the original lion king but it's but part of that original film is embedded in the in the form it takes right like you can't separate form from function and expect it to be the same when you translate it right right exactly no matter what the medium and unless you're doing it intentionally with by doing it with an intent to add something by transitioning the form or whatever right if you're just doing it clearly in this case for a cynical reason, like it's a pretty negative view, but for a cynical reason, it it comes across as really obvious as as purely a cynical driven yeah. like mo- motive. Right. I think, and and going on kind of the visual stuff, like you're right, it's it's kind of hard to separate it because it is clearly amazingly crafted, and I think that's something important. To, and I think I was I read this in a, one of the reviews or something. The distinction to make between how much craft is involved in this film. Which there is a lot of. It looks amazing. Oh, yeah, right? absolutely. You can't right. deny that. There's a lot of craft, but that does not make it good art, right? Right. Um, right. And I think there's a distinction to be made. And I think that is what I think is lost on a lot of these remakes. This right. perception it, it, that, like, oh, it's so feel ro- realistic and photorealistic. Like, but who cares? Right. Like, yeah. Wh- like that, yeah. And I think I like that you mentioned, too, like, it doesn't make it good art. Because one of the things I am. In, in looking at this film and maybe even Aladdin or comparing it to the jungle book and why is this one so much quote unquote worse or, or whatever you want to say. And I think this, because this one, it doesn't stand on its own as its own art. Like mm-hmm. I think jungle book was Absolutely. because it, yeah. it, it felt like there was a, like there was someone behind it that like, it, it just felt like they were trying. It's ironic because there's the same person. Right. You know, right. I was, but, well, I was about to say that, yeah. <laughs> but I think going back to what Sean, you were saying in terms of the cynicism, I, I think the motivations, well, I don't know. I'm not going to put that on him, but at least the yeah. studio yeah, perhaps yeah. Uh, that could, you could maybe point, start looking in or at least investigating in that direction um, as to why one film felt driven and the other one mm-hmm. felt like a, carbon copy kind of just printing money. yeah i i think i think that there were a lot of weird choices in this movie and if we're talking i mean like we're talking about okay you're and i mentioned it when i was talking about frozen on broadway and you know i'm really into the broadway disney shows but like that the lion king show made a lot of cho- changes that were they chose to expand certain things that added to the themes and there was they had this whole library of things that they had done with the stage show that they could have incorporated into this movie if you have to remake the Lion King um and they didn't take advantage of any of that i mean the stage show has a ton more Simba and Nala songs and if you're going to get Donald Glover and Beyonce to play Simba and Nala like why wouldn't you take advantage of that like mm-hmm. um yeah. and then going back to kind of the tone and the color and the you know just the nature doc look of it Another scene that I think exemplifies why I don't like this movie very much. Um, one of my favorite moments in the original was the when the stampede starts and you see that shot of the wildebeest running down the the cliff. Yeah, and then it it zooms in on Simba's face before he starts running, and there's that big musical note, that screech, yeah. and you see his horror, his shock, and then he starts running. In this movie, they don't do that, and they even cut that 
those musical notes out. It cuts because for most of the movie, the score is identical to the original movie. Um, mm-hmm. but they cut a couple seconds out of the score because that scene's not there. And I think it's because with this style, it would have looked ridiculous. Like what facial features yeah. are we meant to zoom in on, on nature doc Simba? <laughs> on a lion. Yeah. yeah like that's just, um, <laughs> I mean, it's interesting that you bring that scene up because there are other parts of that sequence that I do remember. They, they, they do have almost shot for shot. And I think I'm thinking of the kind of, the, the climax of that scene or whatever when Mufasa dies and Simba's watching him fall and you get the opposite zoom. You get the zoom out right. from zoom Simba's face looking and that being from the film, for from the animated film, at least in my memory. And I think that also kind of keys into where this is coming. Like, they are, it's it feels so manipulated in that sense or ma- manipulative in that sense in that they're playing on... Th- you knowing these scenes and they're going, oh, we got to have this exact shot because the audience is going to subconsciously remember these shots. Mm-hmm. So we're going to play into that nostalgia on such a level that we're going to mimic the exact shot. Like, and to me, that's such a manipulative take. But it also comes across and it's like, well, and I ask this far too often, but who's the audience for that? Like, does this film stand on its own? Do you think this film works without having seen the animated film? Well, like, and there's so many levels that it almost feels like they are expecting you to have seen the animated film. Yeah, and and I've made this all of these arguments to other people who have seen and liked this movie. And usually the main argument I get in response is like, well, the kids liked it or I brought my kids and they enjoyed it. So, yeah, exactly. So that's here's the thing, though. In my personal viewing experience, all the kids in my theater were restless. They were bored. They Mm -hmm. were running around not watching the movie. The kid next to me kept begging his parents to take him home, um, and a family left, like, a family with a bunch of kids left, like, in the middle of the movie because their kids were just, like, not into it. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if that was just my experience, or, but I, I don't know. Like, you could tell there were moments in the movie where they were quiet and well-behaved, and it was like, oh, this is one of the rare moments of the movie where it actually translates well, and it's still interesting, and like, oh, I can tell mm-hmm. they're into it, you know? Like, you can tell when a kid's enjoying something. So, yeah, going back to your question, I'm not sure. Like, is it, are we trying to sell Lion King in this new format to a new generation of children? Because, like, I mean, I don't have kids, and I won't. But if I did, I would show them the animated one. And I would imagine they'd enjoy it more. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't... I mean, I, it's hard to say. I mean, there are some jokes that are literal plays off the jokes from the original film which that's fine like I, i'm not against that like i'm i'm fine having a handful of meta jokes like but it, it just kind of is emblematic of what i think the film as a whole it like are they just like you've seen the you've seen the animated now's the live action like that's your marketing that that's what their marketing came is like there there's no illusion that this film stands on its own and it's a weird concept that they're not even trying to maintain that illusion right exactly that it's like yeah no we know that this doesn't fun yeah go you have to have seen the animated but but look now there's live action right like you guys want to see that now right yeah there, there's a good and example i have weird... of that is when they're singing hakuna matata and seth rogan sings every time that i farted yeah. and he's he sings it and then he goes aren't you gonna cut me off and Tumbu yeah. was like, I don't know, you were just into right. it. I, I wanted to let you do your thing. That's a joke, expecting that you've seen the original and you know that he cuts exactly. off before saying farted. And and there's stuff like that where I'm just like, gosh, that, how do I, I don't, how, what, how, what am I supposed to feel about yeah, that? I don't know how I feel about that. Exactly. What am I supposed to feel? I don't know. It's so weird. <laughs> um, it is really weird, too, because, you know, 
walking into this movie, we're so familiar with the original stories that we become hyper aware of all those changes, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Uh like we every time, every single line, like, oh, was that line the same? Yeah, exactly. And even the line delivery, sometimes Mm -hmm. I think we're like, oh, he, he, they made that, like you said, like this is they made this line a joke versus before mm-hmm. it was this joke or it was whatever. Yeah. So we just, be, so it, it almost becomes like, I can't even, it's impossible for me to truly watch this movie as a movie because yeah. I'm so hyper aware of, I have these expectations or I'm just looking at it from like, Oh, they changed this. So it's, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you totally because I'm aware of my own biases and how strong they are because of how much I love the other versions of Lion King. And I would love to put yeah. those aside and watch this purely, but I know that I know I can't. So I may as well, I may as well embrace those biases, you know, because I I can't set them aside, no matter how hard I tried, I can't push them into the closet, you know? So aside from like the, like the craft element in terms of just like the visual fidelity. And again, like kind of even another slight kind of adjacent point to me is, and this kind of, I have an issue with this in lots of, of like these super photorealistic and, and how much time and attention they spent on like, that blade of grass, every blade of grass is fully rendered and took artists hours. Right. Like every single, that's yeah, great. So but why dear God, that. why no one asked you to do that? Yeah, I don't care. Like, <laughs> I'm not staring at no that. one cares. I'm, yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm interested in the story and whether exactly. it's fun and enjoyable. I don't care how many blades of grass there are. So uh, to me, it's like, is, is this weird, almost um, uh, uh, like, infatuation with these things that no like we we think the audi- everyone thinks the audience wants like oh they need it to be so so produced well like no we- you, i think they're thinking like well if someone goes back and watches this movie 10 years now it's like oh it, it won't yeah. look as good on whatever technology we have they're going to notice the starbucks cup in the background and i'll <laughs> like make to, sure we get this perfect i'd like to sum this up as well as i can if you would like why, why you have someone who hasn't it, seen why the would film you do that? <laughs> Let me make it quick well Whoa. Okay. All right. <laughs> Go. Summit. I mean. So, but I'm not talking about the movie in general. I'm talking about why why studios are doing this. It's okay, like, yeah. It's, it's like Ian Malcolm said in Jurassic Park. They're so preoccupied in whether or not they could, they never stop to think of things. Yeah, should. I I definitely think there is that element to it for sure. It's like, well, we have the technology to do this, so of course we're going to do what we're we're, we're not going to be backwards, and we're not going to be you know a lesser studio and half you know put half effort into something. Yeah. It's like, well, no one's actually put half well, effort into it, but maybe put effort sure. into things that matter. Like, I don't know. Right. It's a it's a fine but line. Sh- people, I think the sh- but the, uh, people, but think I think Vince visually, like visuals, are what is going to like bring the next generation of an audience into like into the cinema or just into you know video in general when really it's the story that's compelling and they they don't quite grasp that idea fully i don't feel like well look vis- visuals do get people to buy things right that's the, mm-hmm. obviously um if it comes to books video games card games whatever it is people will look at the box They'll look at it, they'll judge it by the cover, and they will make a financial decision based on that. I, I, but when it comes to repeat viewings or re- like a continued a, yeah. persistence thing, that's where content and substance matters. And and with for better or for worse, for movies or just for anything, I suppose, after that first wave, if the content doesn't hold up, that will be come known 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if we've seen the film and we were drawn in by the visuals and we go tell our friends, hey, I know it looks good, but it ain't, well, that's hopefully where it'll make the difference. Yeah. From between good art and money grab. Yeah. And I think also kind of to add on that too, like like not only do visuals make a difference in terms of that initial like draw, sure, but also like if you look back on influential films like Star Wars and stuff like, oh, if those visuals don't necessarily hold up as high as they used to, they still hold up fairly well, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, but aside from that, I think there's a there's this such a focus on like we have to make sure this film stands up. It's like stop worrying about whether it stands up, make the best film for now. Like, you know, live in the, like, what is the best film that you could deliver now? And best doesn't mean the most expensive or the most, you know, hours spent on animal animations of a cat whisker or something. Is anybody saying that like this new Lion King movie is like revolutionary in terms of visual effects? I haven't really seen much of that. Because, I mean, like, okay, I remember, like, watching the Final Fantasy movie back in, like, 2001 Mm -hmm. and thinking, like, okay, this is crazy. Like, this is insane, the visuals that I'm seeing right now. Yeah. And, I mean, it was cool, like, seeing them back then, and I still think those visuals hold up to a certain extent. And just from that aspect alone, because the story was meh, I don't know, I wasn't too captivated Mm -hmm. by what was going on with the story, but visually it was keeping me engaged. You could say yeah. that just if that's the driving force of why they made this Lion King, you know, remake. Yeah. I get it. But I feel well, like everybody maybe. has that visual component now to their films. It's not anything that's like, Yeah, it doesn't stand no, out. Yeah, the thing that's standing out. Well, that's the thing. That the visual fidelity and pristine photorealism or whatever, or like I was saying, craft is not what sets something apart. And it actually kind of drawing comparisons to video games. If you go back to you know, PlayStation 1 era games, PlayStation 2 era games, those those graphics look oh, yeah, like they're terrible. They're, they're barely <laughs> playable. Blocky. It's because, like, at the time, like, whoa, right. look how realistic this malformed <laughs> abomination is. But the stuff that holds up is the stuff that has good art, a good aesthetic, right? So if you right. go back and watch, you know, play Nintendo 64 Zelda, it's harder to get into that. But if you go back and play Cell Shaded or the 16-bit Zelda... Or Parappa the Rapper, right? It's because that has an art style. There's an. It's not just right. a, a craft or fidelity or whatever. It's 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 also an actual you gotta vision. Believe. They're trying to say something, and yeah, you gotta, you gotta believe. believe. And then that's that's um, my biggest issue. Yeah. It's not so much that they didn't focus on the story and they focused too much on the technology. Yeah. It, it's a great story. It's just that, and the technology is yeah. fantastic. They're both good. They don't belong together. Is my problem. It's that yeah. this style of animation, CG, the technical craft doesn't fit with what makes Lion King a good story. And for me, that's the magical aspect and just the kind of, it, it doesn't, the original does yeah. because they can change the animation style. They can make things more colorful. When yeah. I can't wait to be King starts, the literal I mean, color palette changes on the song, you know, like. And the yeah, thing right. is like, imagine like, I was thinking of um, Zootopia. Like imagine if Zootopia was photorealistic. Ugh, animals. That movie gross. would be, and uh, God, it would be it, like awful. Like, if right? you want to do a, di- but, but I still, do, I, if you want to do a Disney musical <laughs> that has photorealism, nature documentary style, like write a music, like write a new story that fits with that yeah, style. Right. Don't use Lion do King. That, That's then. not fair to Lion King. But, or if you're gonna do Lion King, like then go go like, crazy. Then yeah. go bold with it. Go bold with it and do something different with the story. Like basically, it's Hamlet. Mm-hmm. So. Maybe tell a different version or tell a more direct version of Hamlet. Or, or you know tell I mean? like the same story or, and do a crazy yeah. art style. 
It can still be photorealistic. It, it just but like, do like a nothing, crazy yeah. CG, really hyper stylized, colorful world. Why not? Like it's just that the, it, there's I, it, I they mean, don't work yeah. together. As it is, they don't work together for me. I think part of like kind of with any good endeavor or at least bold endeavor and to an extent good art, there has to be. I, I, I feel at some level there should be something at stake, right? And and that sounds probably a little presumptuous and maybe pretentious, but I do think there's an, a truth to that, right? Sure. Like if you're if you're really trying to say something, if you're really trying to make something that's important, there's something that's at stake there. And to me, there was nothing at stake at this film with this film, right? I agree. Except money. Right. And that's... Right. Yeah. Um, well, just one final question for this. And I think this question maybe sums up my feelings for a lot of these remakes. And this especially, would you ever watch this film over the animated film? Nope. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, right? Nope. Never. No. I mean, I, I think whoever said it... Oh, Matt, you said it about showing your kids. I No, I would not show this to my kids as kids. They, they would... If, if this was their... I, identity or perception of what the Lion King was, I don't think they would ever, they'd be bored yeah. by it. I think they'd yeah. be like, Oh, uh, but I think okay, that's a kind of a good question, question to ask for re- all these remakes, right? Yeah. Like if you ask yourself, like even, even if it's a remake you don't love, there may be some value. If you would go, well, I could see myself maybe watching this over in these circumstances, like the Aladdin remake. I wasn't the biggest fan of that. And about 90% of the time I would always watch the animated, but maybe one day I felt I, like, but with Lion King, I could never see myself watching the live action. Is that you simply? Get what I'm saying? Is yeah, I get what you're saying. Is that simply because of the execution, or just the the fact that they just decided we're going to take this animated film and convert it into a live action film? There's no reason to go to the live action. Regardless. No, it's the execute. Like, if the I would like to believe that if it did have some merit, I would find some value in that and yeah, want to go back to it at some point. Well, it's like I'm not saying that way. one is always going to be better than the other. I'm just saying that if something has value, you would at least want to like at least understand like okay, I the the original animated doesn't have this aspect, mm. and yeah. so if I want it, this little aspect of it, I'm going to watch the live action this one time. I'll and be with, honest, like, the Jungle Book and and Aladdin. I could maybe see that with the live. Action. I want to answer yeah. your but question. Not with this. That would answer your question. Yes. I I definitely would for Jungle Book, and yeah, I have for Aladdin too. because I made the decision to go watch Aladdin a second time in theaters. I could have just stayed home mm. and watched my Aladdin DVD, but I made the decision yeah. to go watch the live action one again. So mm-hmm. the answer is sometimes for yeah. Aladdin, but definitely for Jungle Book. So yeah, and not for Lion. Never King. for Lion. But King. even never so ever. much for like. <laughs> For Mary Poppins, like, would you ever watch the new Mary Poppins over the original? Nope. Would not. Yeah, I don't know if I could say I would, I would either. Not. I can say this. And I didn't dislike it, but I, yeah. I would be vastly more interested in flipping the format to where you take live action films. And the example I'd use is like Harry Potter. If they were to make the Harry Potter universe into an animated format, I would be vastly more interested. Actually, because it's funny. Like, yeah, I'm there's so that. much more you can do animated I wanna, than you I can wanna, live action. I want to see that happen. Uh, I because well, I think animation is you're forced to have a vision. Exactly. If you're animating something, yeah. you are oh, yeah. forced to have. That's a, a vision. good point. That's a great point. And that's why I'd want to see animated, like a live action film, being converted into animated. Not just Harry Potter, yeah. but there's other examples you can use. That's actually, actually, I'm a, that's a good concept. I'm actually would be more excited for those types. And, of things. and like, you're talking like a hand drawn, yeah, like like, like Game of Thrones. Like a, Imagine like a Song of Ice and Fire, the universe, mm. hand drawn animation, something like that. You know, I mean, like yeah. 
be very cool. And that's true for even stuff that I love. Like, I love Harry Potter and Game of Thrones and stuff, but I would totally be down for a visually animated, you know, newly realized version of that. Um, because, yeah, I don't know, that, that appeals to me. I do think that, you know, it would be slightly hypocritical I wasn't aware of some of the same issues, right? If they're just sure. purely doing it for, like, oh, well, we got to tap into this IP that we know people like. So... Uh, yeah, I'm not so naive to think that there's not that element too, but that at least in concept, that idea is somewhat exciting to me. So. I mean, I guess it's just animation doesn't does it just not appeal to the masses in the same way? Is that why they don't, don't do it? Well, I don't know if it doesn't appeal, but it's it has a different connotation. It has you know a different implied like I don't know. It's not taken as seriously. Audience? Yeah, yeah, it's it's just a stigma. Stupid, yeah. There's a stigma. There's a stigma. That's it. Stigmas associated with this. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, any other final thoughts on Lion King from anyone? Poo poo. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Uh, okay. Just to end it on slight positive. A few things I liked oh, about I'll it. Throw some in too. I did yeah. think. Yeah, I did think that the some of the performances purely on a voice acting level. I got to give him credit because I did like John Oliver. I did like Tim, uh, Timon and Pumbaa. Like, yeah. I, I actually didn't, like, some of the jokes were very cynical, and I didn't laugh, but I actually did laugh a fair bit at some of the Timon and Pumbaa stuff. Um, even some of the other performances were fine, and I'm trying to think of what else I kind of liked about this, but I can't think of anything right now. Um, and what did you like, Matt? Did I was going like to say Billy Eichner, John Oliver, yeah. uh, Seth Rogen liked the performances. I actually would have liked more <laughs> yeah. of it. Um, nerdy yeah. Broadway thing, but uh, in the original Lion King, at the end of uh, at the end of um, "Can't Wait to Be King," Simba ends the song mm-hmm. on the last note in the Broadway show. Simba sings the last note, and then Nala outdoes him with a higher note that she hits. They took that oh, yeah. version of the song from the Broadway show oh. and not the original animated. So I nice. there were little tiny, tiny, tiny little things they did take from the Broadway show that. We're so small that if you're not super hyper aware of the show, you won't pick up. But a couple things like that—that's that's pretty cool that you were and, able to find figure that. Yeah, out. Yeah, just really tiny, small things. But and uh, um, um, you know, I like the little <laughs> bit of hot pre-prepared that we got, but it also made me—it yeah. also made me wish that we got the rest of it. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. Definitely. Did you like when it was yeah. over? I liked it when it was over. Yeah, yes. the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, right. And it rolled the credits, and it was like DJ Khaled. <laughs> I'm just kidding, that didn't happen. But I'm 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 always anticipating it. Uh, now know, I am. Is there anything? Is there uh, an that end we haven't scene? mentioned that you liked uh, right? after credit? Oh, uh, not really after credits, but they did. He lives in you from the Broadway show, but they did it in Swahili, and they did it during the credits. What? And that's, oh, was that? That, what that was my. Was? That's I my favorite that. song from the stage show, and they did a Swahili cover of it for the credits. I wish that had been in the movie. I wish Donald Glover had sang it, but whatever. <clears throat> uh, yeah, that would have been cool. Um, what did I like? Um, I thought the hyenas. We didn't even talk about the hyenas. Mm. Were. No, I, actually, I, I didn't like them at all. Actually, <laughs> um, I didn't like how little dialogue and screen time that uh, uh, what's his name, the uh, uh, Eric Andre got. I wish I wish Eric, Eric Andre yeah. had anything to do in this movie. I got so excited when they announced he was going to be in it, but he had nothing to do at all. <clears throat> also, yeah. there was that one moment that I think just completely like it was right after the big. It, there was very little emotional resonance with me, but the closest it got was right when Mufasa dies and Scar sends Simba off. I'm like, okay, this is kind of approaching something emotional. But then 
right when it's supposed to be at its lowest and you're supposed you know the moment to contemplate and kind of ref- and like oh this they have the hyena joke where he's like oh you're standing too close to me bro or whatever right and it's, it's not like, funny and it, at all it's and not it's... funny and just completely ruins the moment yeah. like, well, although I, actually sean so i'm glad you brought that up because it did remind me not a little bit before that moment i was like oh man this is where mufasa is gonna die this is gonna be like rough and i think it's because it is that animation and he now has like perceived physical mass <laughs> Yeah, that there is a perceived like loss of matter, like you know what I mean. Like his <laughs> yeah. matter will he actually die, like it's a thing. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> more so than the cartoon. I, is that, it makes know? sense, but <laughs> yeah. it is hilarious. Oh, I, I, yeah. Well, like what I'll say about that scene is that when Mufasa died, the little two or three year old toddler next to me started clapping, and then and, <laughs> oh, and, and no! then after, and then after oh. Simba ran away, he turned to his mom and said, "That means the movie's over, right? Can we go home now?" <laughs> That really oh, happened? No. Yes. That, that... And then Jen Gerald Jones oh. was sitting next to him. He's like, hey, I'm not dead yet. I know everyone thinks I am. But not and yet. And then Disney, live action remakes are turning children into sociopaths. <laughs> that kid's going to grow up because they, they want Mufasa to die in the movie to end. Oh, man. <laughs> they, way to go, bad. live action remakes. Uh, all right. Well, that's Lion King discussion, as well as Hobbs and Shaw discussion. And a lot, and a lot of other discussion. stuff. And Broadway musical discussion and metal detector. Metal detecting. <laughs> Man, uh, everything right. came and full circle. Yeah, it, was, it was only two uh, hours. past two hours, so I should wrap it up unless, <laughs> yep. Sean, you were going to say something. Bring us on home. Okay, this has been episode 43 of After the Credits of Yum Chunks podcast. Uh, whatever you're listening to us on, if you have a preferred outlet for podcasting, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Castro, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, tune in and the original Yum Chunks YouTube channel. If you'd like to reach the show for any reason, you can leave a comment on the Yum Chunks YouTube channel, uh, or you can send us an email at yumchunks at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to share your opinion or disagree with any of ours, go ahead and do that, and we'll read your comment or email live on the show. Um, and that's uh, that's how it goes, right? That's the business, right? That is that's business. business. That's a lot of stuff. Uh, stay tuned for. We'll probably take <laughs> some more episodes coming soon. We won't be another month between our next episode. Hopefully, um, we might do an episode on the boys because lots of us have watched that. Chris has watched that as well, so we need to get Chris back in here at some point. Um, maybe some Stranger Things, and well, we're about entering September, and that's kind of the doldrums for movies too. So maybe we'll take this chance to do some shows and other, you know, odds and ends. Yes. Um, but uh, thanks for listening in. And uh, hey, Vince, give him some words of wisdom. Hey, everybody. When you're metal detecting, don't go for those low signals. Go for the high ones, if you know what I'm oh, saying. That's, that's, a, that's a good message, just in general. I, could, I understand. I get it. It's a light go for the high signal. Oh, I just can't wait for this to be over. <laughs> <laughs> wait, yeah, was our that? Audience did is you fast just asleep get right a now. clip of Donald Glover and Pasted into our video. Yeah, <laughs> pasted it. <laughs> yes, I did. We have caused so many car accidents and forcing people to fall asleep as they're driving to work from our podcast. Imagine all the people that thought, "Man, I'm going to use this podcast to keep me awake." Little did they know, <laughs> yeah, put them right to sleep. <laughs> uh, another accident on the 405. Do that for the credits. <laughs> we can't do another two episode, two hour episode again. Too many people died last time. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, that's that's <laughs> enough. Let's right, get out of here. Bye, everyone. Bye, bye. See ya. Have a great bye. week. Bye. Yes. Okay. Good. This has been after the credits. A Young Chunks podcast. <laughs>